Hello and welcome to the We Are Geeks Horror channel and our Child's Play Retrospective podcast, where every Friday we'll be covering a new installment in the classic horror franchise. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout. Go to weirdgeeks.com to check out our other podcast series, Twitch streams, contact details, and news on our very own feature films that are currently in production through our publisher, We Are Tessellate. We Are Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced, and no infringement is intended. Welcome back to the We Are Geeks Horror Retrospective with our Child's Play or Chucky franchise. I'm your host, Al White, and joining me on each of these movies is Alexander Chard. Hello. <laughs> has Chucky got asthma, Alex? What is happening? Yes, he has a lung infection. <laughs> good, good. We need some character development with him by this stage, so that makes sense. Yeah, surprisingly, he doesn't smoke, does he? I don't, he doesn't really do bad boy things other than kill people and swear, I suppose. He's not having sex, he's not smoking, he's not avoiding dodging, he's not dodging taxes. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he's in the perfect situation to dodge taxes. Exactly. <laughs> Is he real? Is he not? Does he have a home address? And Alison Holland. Hi. I do pay my taxes and I have a home address. And Good. I do not smoke. Oh. But can't I do kill people sometimes. People. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. May kill Left people. Left that one out. Eh, oh so here we are we are at spoilers the end of the first trilogy of child's play movies there's a reason why after this movie the child's plays monica is out the window uh we're in 1991 only a year after last week's episode child's play 2 this movie is directed by jack bender now he's gone on to be a huge tv resident director He's worked with J.J. Abrams on everything he's done, basically. He worked with him on Felicity way back at the beginning, Alias, Lost, Alcatraz. He's also done Under the Dome, Game of Thrones, The Sopranos. This is a very, um, yeah, he's done the rounds. This is a good TV director. That's a pretty, pretty average CV. <laughs> <laughs> Not impressed. Written yet again by a friend, Don Mancini, with no help again on this one. Starring Justin Whalen now as Andy Barkley stepping in on Alex Vincent's toes. Perry Reeves as De Silva. Uh, was it De Silva? De Silva. De Silva. De Silva. Yeah. De Silva. De Silva. Uh, people might know her from Entourage and Old School. Uh, we've got Jeremy Silvers as Tyler. Travis Fine as Shelton. Dean Jacobson as Whitehurst. Peter Haskell returning from the second for movie as the evil corporate chairman of Mr. what's it called? Sullivan. Play. Play. Play pals, play dolls, play pals. Play, play pals. Uh, he's playing Sullivan. Then we also have Dakin. I don't know how you say it. Dakin Matthews as Colonel Cochrane or Cochrane. Lots of hard names. <laughs> this is this he's is a, a face lot of I fun. definitely knew from True Grit, uh, Lincoln, Gilmore Girls. And then we have a face that I couldn't place the whole movie until I looked him up and I went fucking hell. Of course, we have Andrew Robinson as Sergeant Botnick or Hair Clipper Man. <laughs> As he might become known as throughout this. Uh, he wasn't Dirty Harry, he's in Cobra, but genre stalwarts will know him as uh, the lead in Hellraiser, if you're not including the final girl. Uh, so he's yeah very well known from that uh, for horror fans. And of course, Brad Dourif returning yet again as the voice of Chucky. This movie costs $13 million, so we're staying in that same rough bracket as the other two, which I find interesting because nowadays... 
that would be a pretty big budget horror movie, you know? It's yeah. uh, thirteen million dollars a solid. For some, in these movies, though, by the time you get Charles Play two and three, you kind of see them just as straight to, to video knockoffs. You know, like not going to be up to much. But that's a proper cinematic release. Didn't make as much though as the others. One of the many reasons why this film well, it took them what seven years until they came back with Bride of Chucky. It grossed just under twenty million dollars worldwide, which was a profit. And again, by the time it went to VHS or beta, I'm sure it reaped in quite a lot of money but not enough for what they're hoping for and certainly on the slide down a few little sprinklings of things then before we get to our what do you call it house tidying what do they call it house my brain's mush today i apologize <laughs> gotta do i'm just gonna like talk the whole time housekeeping. you housekeeping. can do the whole podcast That's housekeeping hey i'm just gonna what's i gonna say yeah don mancini so i've actually unfortunately i didn't do this before we started this podcast or i didn't find these particular interviews with him uh, but there are some really cool interviews with him that i've been watching after each film before we do a podcast and he's he hates this movie this is his least favorite of all of them. <laughs> yeah i read that but his reason for it is because during post-production on child's play 2 he was told to go and write child's play 3 2 wasn't even out yet this movie came out 10 months after the previous movie had come out sorry nine months not even nine months after so he didn't get any pregnancy. feedback on things. He didn't know how people were adjusting to this new, slightly funny Chucky. And he just felt he had run out of ideas, to be honest. But we'll get more into that later on. I mean, he stretched the ideas uh, from one into two, so I feel he's pain. Yeah, and he does more of that here. We'll get to it. But there is bits in this, which is still from his original script, that he's still <laughs> mining stuff from. <laughs> on a serious note then, because I'd rather just get this out of the way to begin with. This movie, I think in the US people didn't really realize this, but in the UK this movie was a huge, huge deal. It was the center of a big tabloid panic back in, when was it, 92 I think it was by the time this happened. Because there was a murder of a two-year-old called James Bulger by two 11-year-old boys. Oh sorry, this is in 1993. Um, and they found a copy of their film had been like rented out by the father or something. But it was, it was later actually determined, much later, that they had never even seen the movie and it had nothing to do with the murder. But we're in an era there where people like to blame horror films. Now, I wouldn't normally mention it because it seems weird to mention it when you're just like throwing more wood on the fire or something that wasn't necessarily an impetus for their actions at all. But this meant that this film was actually banned in the UK until 2002. Wow, um, I didn't so, realize that. Yeah, it was a huge deal. Like Charles Play 3 was seen as a snuff movie. It was seen as this dark, dark, horrible movie. And it was kind of legendary in the UK if you're a horror fan. And it was very hard to get hold of. You had to like import it. And this was at a time, if you can imagine this, listeners, before the internet. So you couldn't get on Amazon.com or Amazon CA and just order it from a different country. They were bootlegs of this going around and they were very hard and they were confiscated by police and people went to jail. It was past the video nasty era in Britain. But yeah, this was a big deal. And I remember it growing up. I hadn't seen any of these movies because I wasn't into horror films at that point. But this was the one people were scared of because it was tied to this real life murder. And then banned. Um, so I didn't get to see this movie until I was well into my 20s just because of that reason. It was actually also attached, and I would say less tenuously, uh, to another murder, uh, which is lesser known, but equally as harrowing, if not more so, of a girl called Suzanne Kappa, who was tortured and then set on fire. And every time she was tortured, she was forced to listen to the song by a band called 150 Volts, which is called Hi, I'm Chucky, Do You Want to Play? At maximum volume through headphones as they conditioned her basically to be scared of it. And one of the torturers would commence each torture session with the phrase Chucky's coming to play, 
So clearly a lot more direct influence there from the movie to to the actions that were carried out. We're not here to discuss how horror films affect people and all of that stuff, so I don't really want to get into it. But I do feel it's something that, yeah, Charles Play 3 for a lot of people is synonymous with these these murders, so has to be brought up up front. Obviously horrible things that happened. I personally believe these things are more to do with the individual than the media that they're consuming, um, but also... You know, a lot is to do with parenting and what people have seen, what they haven't seen, and then how the media reports and that stuff or miscommunicates it. But regardless, we're in a different era now. We're long, we're way past it. So I'm hoping we can just talk about these movies in the way that they were created and intended to be enjoyed, which is by adults and with a sense of humor. Well said, Al. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, it's hard because these are dumb films, you know? So when they mm. incur tragedies, it's it's difficult to know how to talk about them. So, before though we get into the movie, we do like to start off the podcast by talking about the landscape of films in that year. We're dealing with 1991. Alison, we're going to hand it over to you, so you're going to take us through the top 20 movies that came out that year in reverse order. Alrighty. Starting at number 20, we have My Girl. Ah, uh, love this a film. different type of horror film. <laughs> I love this bees. film when I was a kid. <laughs> I had such a crush on uh, Anna Klumsky. <laughs> you going to say McCorklin. Who <laughs> yeah. was the lead guy in that? I always remember it as a Macaulay as Culkin. A Macaulay Culkin. It wasn't Macaulay yeah. Culkin. Oh. Macaulay Culkin, and spoiler alert, he dies, and it was heartbreaking. Oh no! But I remember as a kid thinking that's my opportunity to swoop in on the on the girl. <laughs> you just got to find find some bees, kill off the competition, <laughs> continue. <laughs> All right, number nineteen is what about Bob? Oh my, that's a uh, Bill Murray movie. Sure is that most people seem to have forgotten about. That was a great little movie. <laughs> Eighteen is Hot Shots! Exclamation point. <laughs> cool, excellent. Again, Ali, if you walk out of airplane, then you're not going to enjoy Hot Shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, you uh... won't get through Hot Shots. <laughs> I actually think I've seen Hot Shots because my friend's dad, the what? same one that wore, the same one that wears the Chucky mask, loves this movie. <laughs> oh, that that makes perfect sense. It's all fitting together. <laughs> Seventeen. We've already talked about this movie, JFK. Yeah, it's one of the greatest. Everybody's love Kevin of Costner. all time. Kevin Costner. No, this is sincerely. This is sincerely in my top fifteen films of all time. But a, again, the director's cut. Which we never finished. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're Last time it, I was in we? London, yeah. we started, and then you were like, we should go to bed. And I was like, why? It's probably almost over. And you were like, no. no we still have another full length movie of <laughs> The Cutlet. It does go on for two days, to be fair. So, <laughs> Number 16 is The Prince of Tides. I don't, I don't I think that's that Nick Nolte. Barbara Streisand. Yep. Mm, I don't like Nick Nolte or Barbara Streisand in a controversial opinion. <laughs> Well, good for you. All right. Number 15. Just great little awkward pauses here as people digest that was, yeah. <laughs> We made a sarcastic facial expression at Al, which I understand you couldn't hear. <laughs> if only sarcasm made noises. <laughs> Number 15, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Never seen it. I'm not a Star Trek fan. Yeah, I haven't all. seen it. Although people are saying this new Discovery, I feel like Tamro was actually, he's not a Star Trek fan. He's saying Discovery's good. But nerd. That's what I say. Nerd. <laughs> Number 14 is Backdraft. 
Oh, Ooh. yeah. Bit of Kurt Russell. It's a firefighting movie. Yeah, that's a cool movie. It had... Well, okay. <laughs> I was about to say, speaking of movies influencing children, but I was at boarding school when Backdraft came out and we used to cause Backdraft in our drawers where you'd fill it up. Actually, I won't tell kids how to do that. But anyway, <laughs> we used to do bad they things They have the internet. Fire. They can figure it out. Boarding school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was because of, arguably, we had... Anyway, continue. Okay. I was digging 13. a grave. <laughs> <laughs> Number 13, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret there of the Ooze. Oh. There we go. So this had a yearly cycle as well. Oh, my goodness. That's a real <laughs> U-turn for them because that's a completely different type of movie. And they built new suits in a year. You know what? I was kind of impressed that Charles Play 3 came out in nine months, but fuck them. Secret <laughs> of the Ooze yeah. did the same deal and arguably, well, no, not better, but more fun. Definitely more fun. A little spoiler into Al's opinion. It's got a little uh, go ninja, go ninja, go. Oh, that was in that one? The Vanilla Ice song yeah, was in that one? Yeah, it was. Vanilla Ice, Turtles rapping yeah. and breakdancing. What more do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Continue, Al. Number 12, Cape Fear. Yeah, it's a great, great film. Actually, a remake, which most people don't realize, but um, very good Robert De Niro movie. Spooky. Spooky. Number De 11, Niro. Fried Green Tomatoes. Not a spooky movie. I don't know what that is. Uh, this was... <laughs> oh, come on. Really? You don't know Fried Green Tomatoes? I've never seen this. At the, Whistle, at the Whistle Stop Cafe is the full title. It's like Oscar nominated. This was a huge movie that year. It was kind of like the Driving Miss Daisy of that year. People don't know Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> that I know that film. right now. No, I know, I know it. I have not. <laughs> also not seen that one. There's the moment where I realize. <laughs> Getting into the top 10. We have The Naked Gun, two and a half, The Smell oh, of yeah! Fear. <laughs> You'd love this film, Alex. Well, so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the order you watch them. You watch Airplane, then Naked Gun, then Naked Gun, two and a half, then Naked Gun, 33 and a third, was it? Or three That's quarters? Right. Yep. Then you're allowed to watch Hot Shots. You've done it in the wrong I've order, already <laughs> Okay. Take I the apologize. memory back. Was O.J. Simpson out by this point? Was he already in jail? No, he was still one. he was still in this one. Still in this one. Just justice. <laughs> Number nine, Father of the Bride. Oh, Ooh. what was the one we were talking about last time? That was a similar type of crap. A similar type of crap. <laughs> there was something else with like the, my daughter and blah blah blah, and uh, Alex said he had seen it or something. I don't know. I have no whatever. Idea. Who cares? This is Steve Martin and Martin Short. And then short someone else. <laughs> All the names had to carry on into each other. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good way to cast people. Uh, number eight, Sleeping Would with it? the Enemy. Oh, this was, was this Julia Roberts, wasn't it? And yeah, yeah. I remember liking this when I was a kid. All righty. Number seven is The Addams Family. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, if, if, Faruka and yeah, Tamara just went to see this at the Royal Albert Hall with like a big orchestra playing the music along to it and stuff. Oh, that's cool. Oh, cool. Faruka's a big fan. Big fan of these movies. But I think she prefers the second one, actually. So, Adam's Family Values. There it is. <laughs> Christina Ricci. This is where she started, basically. Yeah. Casper and this. Number six, Hook. Yes. Friend of the Rufio. podcast. Yes. Rufio. <laughs> Rufio. Getting into the top five. Number five is City Slickers. Fun. Oh, excellent. That's a good, that's a great comedy. Yeah. 
I love that. I don't normally like what's his face. What's that guy? Uh, Billy Crystal. Who's that's the guy. I don't normally like him to be honest. It's not my type of humor, but he's great in that. Billy Crystal, Daniel Stern, Jack Palance, my John goodness. Lovitz, I think. Is that at the top of your head? Are you <laughs> yep, doing an Alex head. educated guess? <laughs> that, that is. I know this movie well. I think Jack Palance may have been nominated for an Academy Award for his role in this. It's always the uh, seal, seal of quality acting, <laughs> as we learned with Charles Play One. Yes. So what are we into? Top four movies? Yep. So number four is The Silence of the Lambs. Oh, my goodness. There we go. <laughs> That's a... And oh. one of those films we're talking about where people argue, is it a horror? Is it not a horror? I'd argue, yes. It's listed as a crime, drama, thriller. Yeah, I mean, it's more of a... It's a thriller. Yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> it's <laughs> definitely scary, it. <laughs> though. That movie's scary. The ending of that movie is legitimately scary. Yeah, I remember I wasn't allowed to watch this film for a long time. It's I've still never scary. seen this. What? It's very, very good. <laughs> yep. Seen fucking hot shots. <laughs> I did not watch, like, horror thrill. Yeah, I know. Anytime... I, my mom did not allow me to watch a lot of things. But when I've seen anything that was crude or inappropriate, it was usually with this friend and her father. <laughs> <laughs> Do you Top want to name three. and shame them at some point? No, they won't listen to this, <laughs> but no. <laughs> well, then perfect. <laughs> you can give a full address out. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Kevin oh, Costner, really? Golden Years. I, I know. love you. I watched this. I watched this. I watched this again for the first time, like a year or two ago. I hadn't seen it in a long, long time, and I didn't realize that Kevin Costner just keeps his normal American accent. Yeah, he completely does. Yeah, Eddie Izzard in one of his early skits did like a great fit in it. He's like, "Hello, I'm Robin Hood from Sherwood Forest." <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But at the same time, I do kind of hate it when you get actors and they force them to do accents. I'm like, I don't really care. We understand what you're getting at. Just do, your, do what you got to do. You just did it for the story. I'm looking at you, Benedict Cumberbatch in Doctor <laughs> Strange. You don't like his accent in that? Oh, I fucking hate his accent. That I just oh. I, Benedict Cumberbatch has such a great voice. It's like just let him be Benedict Cumberbatch. And it's not like Captain America or Spider Man where it's like he has to be an American. That Doctor is Strange strange. Could be from anywhere. Like who cares where Doctor Strange is from? You've heard it here first, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) That's an official ruling. Who gives a shit where Doctor Strange is from? (laughs) All right. Top two movies of 1991. Number two is Terminator 2. Oh, yeah. This is a solid year. This is a really solid (laughs) year. movies. Have you seen this one, Ali? What? That's all I'm saying. You haven't seen Terminator 2. Alex, I'm starting to realize you've not spent enough time with me to realize that I've seen nothing. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like one of the biggest. I think Al is used to it at this point. (laughs) Yeah, I I presume she's seen nothing. Have you seen Terminator One? No, I haven't seen any of the Terminator movies. I've also not seen any of the the Bourne movies. No. What? How did you get to Jason Bourne? I'm just, I'm thinking of like large movies that everybody has seen that I've not seen any of, and wow. that's another one of them. This yeah. one I have seen. Any, any of the Police Academy not, movies? It will not shock anybody. But number one of 1991 is Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and 
the beast. Exactly. The superior that's the version. one. So that's your top 20. Sorry I disappointed Excellent. you, Alex. So that's the first time I that's think fine. we've had on this on these shows with an animated movie at our number one, I feel. Because uh, it, it was Return to Disney. Second Golden Age. Yeah, but we got a couple of horrors in there. We had Science of Lambs and Cape Fear, both of them arguably horrors in, in some regard anyway. But we are getting more of an adult sort of bent on two horror films. Last time we had... Well, we had some trashy horror movie was there in the top 20 somewhere. Yeah, last time we were going the like sequels, 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 like fours and yeah, fives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Alex, that leads us over to you for what horror films came out in 1991. So we can see how is horror changing? We're only a year on though. Last year it seemed pretty lost. It was getting a bit more fantastical, but a bit in between stuff. Where okay. are we at now? So here's, let me start it off with... Please do. Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. <laughs> oh, Oh, so we've covered this before, <laughs> and we've been referring to this a little bit when we did Charles Play 2, which you gave a recommend to, and I gave a wholehearted not recommend to, because we may have had a similar situation with Freddy's Dead. This is the Looney Tunes. This was the death of Freddy, basically. Oh, this is just... Like, very much it was Freddy's Dead, <laughs> this film. Yep. Yep, and I recommended it, so go and listen to yes, the reasons why I recommended it <laughs> on the Freddy Retrospective Podcast. So, oh, yeah. Freddy the Final Nightmare, The People Under the Stairs. This is what Wes Craven was doing while they were while they were butchering his character, <laughs> Freddy Krueger. He went off to make People Under the Stairs, and it's good creepy. Film. It's a I like, movie. I really like the title. It's, yeah, people, like, they're in a house, and that they, I'm trying to remember now, I watched it a bunch as a teenager, and then they find out people, they're living under the stairs, it's more they're living in the walls of the house, but it is kind of creepy. I would have also watched The People That Live in the Walls, but, okay, whatever. Silence of the Lambs, which you already mentioned. Now, this is interesting to me. Puppet Master 2 came out, as well as Puppet Master 3, Toulon's Revenge. Sounds like a Dragon Ball movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, have you seen those, out? No, I've actually never seen any of the Puppet Master films. Uh, but it is worth noting, because Chucky has having a knock-on effect to other movies, and Puppet Master is... Uh, is I'm trying to think now how many they've had. They've had as many, if not more, movies in the Puppet Master series than Chucky movies. Did we not? Um, is this not related to Puppet Master Body Snatchers that we did? No. Oh. No, no, no. This is a whole. Uh, actually, thing. speaking yeah, of. It's confusing. Yeah, other movies. Notice that it isn't here, but one that's directly influenced by Child's Play that came out in 91 was a film called Dolly Dearest, which was also Ooh. a killer do- about a killer doll and released two months after Child's Play 3. Yeah, there, there's a It spat. was direct-to-video. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually going to try and sit through some of these before we do our wrap-up at the end so we can kind of see if, there was, if there's a secret Child's Play movie out there that's actually better than Child's Play, basically. Yeah. We also have Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toy Maker. There we go again. Some more dolls coming yeah. in there. I've ha- I have seen the first Silent Night, Deadly Night, but none of the sequels. Omen 4, The Awakening. Yeah, still lots of sequels. Bad, bad sequels. Yeah. Howling 6, The Freaks. Oh, terrible movie. That was the first Howling film I saw, actually. Very bad. Critters 3. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I can't and was tell. Critters 3... Which one? Was it two or three actually has the first appearance of Leonardo DiCaprio? Ooh. I can't remember. It's one of those two. He's a uh, little, tiny little kid. Little Leo. As you mentioned before, Cape Fear. And rounding out the list, Sorority Babes in the Dance-a-thon of Death. 
Wow. That why aren't we doing that retrospective? What a name. That's a great title. In the Dancethon of Death. The whole thing it just goes off for five hours. It's just pure attrition until they collapse from dancing. So a muddled year for horror. There's not a clear other than there's a few dull knockoffs, thanks to Charles Play. And a whole bunch of sequels where s- franchises were dying. We're right in that lost era and most horror films are, were lost in this era. Every, the 80s were dying and then slashes were over. But then about to come back a few years later because of Scream. Woohoo! Which we'll hopefully be covering in 2018. So You're sorry, not going to edit it out, but you just clapped. I was going to say something quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to mention it at some point. But I read that Peter Jackson was asked to direct Child's Play 3. Yeah, I read that too. Yeah, I couldn't. I was trying to find more information about because you could ask many people to do many things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I wanted to know how serious that was, but I guess at that point, okay, I was trying. Has he done Heavenly Creatures by that point, or had he just done his Oz stuff? I'm not sure. I didn't uh, look into it as, with as much depth as you. Yeah, <laughs> one second, because he'd done his. He'd done obviously Brain Dead, and what's that other one he's famous for? Back in the day. It's horror schlock. Let's just bring him up. So what year are we talking about? 1991. Uh, so yeah, he'd done Bad Taste and... Sorry, not Brain Dead. Yeah, Bad Taste, Dead Alive. Yeah, he hadn't done it. Oh, he hadn't quite done Dead Alive. Oh yeah, well, I guess that makes sense. All he'd done was Meet the Feebles and Bad Taste. He hadn't quite done Dead Alive. He hadn't done Heavenly Creatures. Heavenly Creatures was his turnaround film. And then did The Frighteners and then went on to Lord of the Rings after that. So yeah, I could completely see that. He was just making schlock horror at that point. So surprised he turned it down. Frankly, <laughs> could he? what else? We have a couple of other little things. Oh yeah, I have a redaction to make actually. So on the last podcast, I stated we stated that John Lafia had been the one who had brought in the voodoo elements. I had read that he had brought in the voodoo elements, and particularly also the character Eddie Caputo from the first film. I have since in these interviews with Don Mancini, he's gone on to say that John Lafia in the second film, both him and John Lafia who directed the second film agreed that they wanted to get rid of all the voodoo stuff because they thought it was dumb. So they were trying to kind of write themselves around it as much as possible. Because basically Don Mancini inherited a version of his movie which wasn't what he'd originally wanted it to be. And he was still very proud of it and excited and it had been a big hit. So yeah, I just wanted to redact in case John Lafayette is ever listening or anyone from his family. <laughs> he probably we stopped listening. not sure. Exactly. They're like, Got fuck pissed. this. <laughs> but yeah, they had tried to downplay the voodoo stuff with the second one. So I'm not sure exactly how much he had to do with it in the first one. Just read some conflicting things there. Don Mancini, by the way, lovely, lovely man. His video interviews, so just so nice. He's so appreciative of everything this has given him over the years. He's still appreciative just still to get to be involved. He done, you know, he appreciates most creators would have been chucked away at this point. And very down to earth as well. Very honest about what was going on with each of these films, which we'll be getting into. Technically... This movie, because it came out nine months after Charles Play 2, but it's set much later because we have an older Andy Barkley. So this movie's set in 1998, which technically was the future at the time. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem that we got into with Friday the 13th, where they kept sort of making them year by year, but skipping forward much years. So by the time you're in like the movie that was out in 1990, it was actually set in 2004 or something ridiculous <laughs> like that. So yeah, we're in 1998. In the future, everything else I want to get into, we'll do it as we go through. Okay, you guys ready? Let's do this. Movie, ready? Actually, actually, let me start off very quickly by saying this movie on IMDb 
got a 5 out of 10. So this is our lowest rated so far on the IMDb meter. But we're going to see how we feel when we get to the end. So, shock opening. Big music coming in straight away. Yeah. <laughs> Factories all cobwebbed over. We see melted stump of Chucky from the end of the second film as claws grab him. They lift him up and blood begins to seep out of his little melting weird latex organy body. And then it starts dripping into the latex vat, which is going to then keep making the other toys. Question. <laughs> Good. I've read so many the questions. Factory- I did too. <laughs> the factory's <laughs> clearly still making toys. Why are all these cobwebs there? Why are they only tidying them up now? How did they leave the factory for like 10 years, it looks like, before they cleaned it up? And yet the vat's still working and his body's still there. Don't and still that. bleeding. Exactly. Exactly. That was, I was like, how long has he been here? Would a human body still have blood in it? I think not. <laughs> and then they say I it's been eight years. And I was like, ah. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I feel it's only because it looks cool. Like you start and I'm immediately like, oh, this film looks much cooler than the last one. Yeah. Like the lighting's really cool. The set it, looks it, cool. Sure, it, it does look cool. I also had the question <laughs> of if the blood is going in there, I was like, hmm, this means... Like, all of that is not going to be used just on one doll. That's enough to make a few dolls. So I was getting into this and I was like, oh, shit, we're going to have a lot of Chuckies in this one. Okay, so let's get like, to that. A, a vat of, of latex left for eight years or whatever it was wouldn't have just solidified in this giant tub if it was like if nothing was operating. Do they, do they stipulate that it's meant to be eight years later? Well, yeah, in the I'm meeting. Kind of, they do. In the meeting. Oh, do they? Well, in the meeting, they say it's been eight years since, I think I wrote it down. Oh, okay. but they're basi- basically, it's been eight years since Andy Barkley ruined our lives and almost mm-hmm. like put us out of business. And then when they give Mr. Sullivan the doll, they say, here's the first one that we've made off, like hot off the press or whatever. So they had yep. just started making them again eight years later. So Got from it. their perspective, we don't we don't know what happened to Andy and Carl straight away after that movie. If they went to police, where they where they went and lived, we have no idea about any of that stuff, and we're not actually going to find out. But we're presuming that from the company's perspective, they went there. All there is is like a bit of a mess and one dead security guard, and then this sort of stump of a doll. That's it. And what they decided was better walk away <laughs> let's yeah. just leave this factory and walk away for eight years it sounded like it was more of a like a publicity thing that like a bunch of people found out about it and stopped buying their toys and that that's what so you... almost drove them out of business in the age I mean, of social media in 1998 <laughs> i mean i guess yeah i mean yeah no one would give a shit no one would care your security guard died in your spooky factory and them just walking away and leaving all of those assets just to sit there is beyond ridiculous. Yeah, not but, being cleaned up and turned into something else. But hey, we get a cool opening shot. You know? <laughs> so um, and so that opening with the blood going into the vat is, uh, I mentioned it in the last podcast, was the kind of alternate extended ending of Child's Play 2 where Chucky's blood would go into the, after he exploded, go into the vat of latex. And then as the new dolls were being created, we'd see his smile appear on one of the dolls. So another case of Don Mantini really stretching his ideas. 
<laughs> well, this is the thing. So he's yeah, he originally wanted that for the end of two, and he always knew his his thing. He's he's always said like to make a good horror franchise, you have to at the end of each one go. Well, how can they come back from that? Like we wanted to always decimate Chucky. Well, you can't possibly come back from that. But we had always written a way that we knew he would come back, and he knew he wanted it to be like this. But his idea, and that's why you have so many, which we'll get to later, is uh, sorry at the end of the second one when you're in that maze maze factory maze of like chucky's he was introducing all of them because it was meant to then go into the vat and it was meant to make what you're saying ali which is multiple chucky's there were meant to be many 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 chucky's made from that vat because it's ludicrous of course that the blood would get mixed into this huge vat but all of that haunted blood only goes into making one doll somehow and it was never meant to it was meant to be in lots of dolls but just budget they couldn't do it and they were also worried just technical stuff that could happen and and that it was going to be too violent at that point as well it was just going to write itself into a nightmare of too many things but he's really really wanted to do at least a few multiple chuckies didn't get the chance to but anyway for me it's a cool opening like we get very terminator style music as well which i presume is on purpose and then this weird sort of james bond swirl yeah that's what i wrote down james bond <laughs> I thought they were going to go, there's a Jason movie, I think it's number six, where Jason finally like completely jumps the shark and comes back a zombie, and the opening of it is ridiculous, and then they have the James Bond, the actual James Bond like circle, and Jason walks on, turns to camera like James Bond, and then throws his machete at, at us, and blood just goes across, <laughs> and I thought that's where they were going, I thought, oh my god, they're going to do it before Jason did it, and just go completely, well no, sorry, just after Jason actually, and go completely James Bond, but no, it's just, it's a weirdly sort of subtle sort of obvious nod and i don't know why because james bond has nothing to do with chucky but all right but i I do like this opening i do like the shots of the blood going into the latex and stuff i think it's cool and then we get chucky getting rebuilt through that bloodied latex i do feel like it feels like a genuine horror film i feel we're in a you know in a proper slasher movie until he starts screaming at the (laughs) as he yeah that was my this bit go for it this bit this bit made me a little bit unsure of if he was being recreated in the factory or if he was like forming of his own sort of free will because it, it, <laughs> it was just sort of the latex dripping and him like slowly forming with the blood oh, really? kind of morphing. Yeah. So like I like Yeah, so that's that's where I was sitting with that. I was like, is he is he just sort of being manifested or is the factory actually rebuilding him at this point? I definitely took it as the factory was yeah. He was just the yeah. first one off the new run of toys after eight years apparently <laughs> and they used they used that entire vat to make him out of basically so yeah then we're, we get this inside a slideshow projector shot which i quite like and then we're back with the play pals company they don't seem as cartoonish as last time we're very much in more of a horror kind of film in these opening scenes it's not as colorful it's not as fun i guess it's more somber they're discussing whether or not to put the good guy dolls back on the market because apparently interest in them is at its peak. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> <Which> is <laughs> surprising. I, the okay. the that's photo a, that they have of Andy like up on the slideshow is hilarious. It's just like a picture that they probably got of him on set where he was caught off guard and he's just like not like his face <laughs> is just like uh, like he's doing nothing. Which was so I had my first laugh out loud moment of the series so far. When Chucky yells no right after his body is formed. Yeah. Which I thought was hilarious and unexpected. And then I immediately laughed again when Andy's picture was shown in the slideshow. (laughs) And I was like, 
What? I fear neither I mean, intentional lies. This no, probably I don't think so either. It's like I like this um, little boy. Bra- <laughs> I thought I thought Brad Dourif's picture was even funnier when they're like uh, he yeah. believes he inhabited Charles Lee Ray, and it was like him from set from the first one from the night yeah, he was killed. The- <laughs> like- that was for sure both set photos, like behind the scenes. <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny how you're talking about them sort of having that thing. That that was really funny. Like, we're recreating the good guy dolls. And in my notes, I've written, like, why? Because of demand? Or are they just, like, ignoring <laughs> trends? Like, what is... No one cares. Because they've recreated they've, And they've recreated it exactly the same. And the guy brings it out. Yeah. And he's like, this is the good guy of the 90s. <laughs> it's like... I feel it, like there's maybe two extra freckles or something. There's, like, nothing different. <laughs> We were everyone was into turtles at that point. No one gave a shit about Cabbage Patch Kids anymore. It was over. <laughs> but no, they decided they're gonna make some more. The head chairman, Mr. Sullivan, says Andley Barkley is ancient history. No one remembers him, and nobody, nobody cares. cares. <laughs> Which I would argue is potentially true. I don't think anyone gives a shit about Andy Barkley. And so then the chairman's handed the first doll from the assembly line and takes it back to his apartment. Now we're obviously we're third one in. We're in a loaded gun already because we know Chucky's alive. We got laughter at the beginning. We know that first one's gonna be Chucky. So you're in a whole different thing. We talked about the first one. The suspense was originally intended to be: was it is it Andy or is it the doll? Obviously, the film made it clear it was the doll. But when are we gonna see him? And then the second one really like subverted that a little bit in terms of other people coming in and who's gonna believe him. And now we're in a thing of straight away of just like, well, we're just waiting for Chucky straight mm-hmm. off the bat, which is a different type of horror film than that you're trying to make. So we get this very protracted film. And when I've heard Don Mancini talk about this movie, he really speaks about it in three thirds. And the first third is this whole section with the company, essentially. And there's a long scene. There's the chairman's walking around his apartment, making himself a drink. Uh, we get a whole sort of thing of seeing the doll suddenly gone from the box that he's got there. He's playing I liked, golf. I like that shot. Stocks. I did too. I like that shot where it like pans into the room and you see the box, you see the box, you see the box, and then you notice it's open and it comes around to the front and it's empty. Like I thought that that very deliberate yeah. long shot was kind of cool. Well, it definitely feels more like they're acknowledging, look, we know you're waiting for Chucky, so we're going to give to you him much earlier when we can't play coy with him anymore. And And yeah, and it just feels like they're trying to say, okay, we're going a bit more horror. We're not going to be quite as funny as last time but it's just long this scene it's a long sort of build of up and downs weird noises him walking around yeah having a drink watching stocks playing some golf do people still do people still play golf indoors or is that just cartoon chairman from 1990 (laughs) well the funny thing was when that thing came up i remembered seeing that on like those pay tv commercials during that time and thinking as a kid like wow that's cool you putt it and it sends the ball back so when yeah. i when i when i saw that in the film i immediately recognized it from that time and thinking yeah for sure like that makes absolute sense it's very very of the era he just needed a naked prostitute covered in cocaine on the other side of the apartment <laughs> i think i didn't like about this scene was the overuse of chucky's hands grabbing things and moving things <laughs> yes it just yeah, didn't he was, look good. And he's very just messing around. He's very much just like having fun here. I um, liked that part. I think it would have been fun to not see him, but still hear like things happening, like hear the toys going sure. off, but not have seen his hand so far. 
Because I think the pointless the just like, jar of I, like he Chucky could just he has no idea that Chucky's there or alive or that any of this is real. He could just get a knife and kill him. But he I love yeah. that just like I'm going to set a toy off and make you get up and go look over here. And then there's going to be something else that no, comes he off over here. Like 20 for no, toys. I know for no reason. I love it. <laughs> How does he even it's do just... it? I'm a tall person and I can't set off 20 toys. He's got tiny arms. How yeah. did he get to all of those toys to set them off? It's like he had a possessing wave of sort of psychokinetic powers or something. It was so yeah. weird. Got some um, telepathic toy to toy magic. And that's why it's kind of strange because they're playing it more serious, but they're also having more fun with, okay, we know you're here for Chucky, so let's have fun with Chucky. I do love the train tracks that there's this guy's got running on the top of his apartment. when they showed that i was like is this his apartment or is this like a room in the office why does he have that in his apartment <laughs> with like a really yeah, nice I- bar area with all these crystal glasses and like decanters and i was like this makes no sense that you would have that set up and then a toy train track above all of it it's bizarre yeah i wasn't sure if it was his office or his apartment because the guy yeah. left his like assistant or whatever left and then was I was there. like, oh, he's just going to take a little break in his office. But yeah, that had the train yeah. tracks. It was weird. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if you were a date coming back with him and you opened the doors? Like, you better be a chairman of a fucking toy company. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is. His man All cave and also his like 14-year-old boy cave of like, this is what I wanted when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I liked the Larry and Paulie good guy dolls moment. So yeah, yeah, so that's exactly what I'm about to get to. So Sullivan slips on some marbles uh, that Chucky's laid out for him. Then it, all of his toys seem to come to life, which culminates in Larry and Paulie. So two other good guy dolls who are sitting on two chairs and they're talking to each other and they're doing this nice like, hi, I'm Larry. Hi, I'm Paulie. And they repeat <laughs> like their dialogue over and over again. Yeah, this was genuinely a little bit creepy. Uh, yeah. I liked it. But then Chucky just comes out of nowhere and smacks him in the face with a golf club. <laughs> and we get up until this point an even more iconic line this is the most iconic chucky line don't fuck with the chuck yep (laughs) which how don mancini hasn't come up with that before i don't know (laughs) and then he starts throwing darts into his back and then finally strangles him with a yo-yo kill one yep there you go and he says uh it's a, a good old strangulation to loosen up the muscles or something like that yeah. Yep. Yeah. Recall into that. Just reminding us when he was a human person, he was a bad person as well. Not just at all. The Lakeshore Strangler. And then we get then we get him basically doing what he did with the assistant to Mr. Sullivan's previous uh well Mr. Sullivan's previous assistant, I guess. His when he ransacked his briefcase, now he's going through a computer because it's nineteen ninety one. Don't need briefcases anymore. Ninety eight. Narratively. Ninety eight, that's true, that's true. <laughs> We're in the future really long opening and then we finally cut away from that and we are at kent military school andy is now 16 years old and we have can i just say off the bat when we first see chucky in that scene i felt that like i feel like the animatronics look worse than the previous film was my (laughs) immediate feeling interesting but we can get into that more this was their first film to use computers to aid in Chucky's cu- puppetry. Uh, they mm-hmm. were trying to really perfect the lip syncing. So they were using different technology here. So um, it's definitely more advanced, but whether it works for you or not, I guess is, yeah. Will because up until that point, it had just been puppetry. Yeah. So how do we feel with this new Andy? 
now played by Justin Whalen, bit of a pretty boy. And he's signed up for this academy, this military academy. Yeah. Are you happy to Andy's back? I know we've missed out on his his foster years, basically. I'm happy it's a different actor. <laughs> I kind of pre- oh, I kind of prefer geez. I'm ready for an older Andy. It's just it's so hard to get kids to be able to pull this off. So I'm happy we to know be how with- you feel about Alex Vincent. Jeez. <laughs> You don't like Alex's as Andy in the first two. (laughs) Well, that's kind of. I mean, Don Mancini was not in any way doing this because of Alex Vincent, but he just felt people. You know, there's only so much you can do with a kid in peril in these situations. So he felt it was time to move on from that, give something else. And he already felt that even by the end of two, things were getting repetitious. So he wanted to bring in, and he wanted to bring in a place with different, new authority of figures and with new weapons that Chucky could use. And a military school seemed perfect for that. One thing I so, was yeah. confused about with this is the all of the films make it seem like the people in the in that world think Andy killed the people and then was blaming it on the doll. So mm. when he's talking to the dean or whoever the head guy, colonel. Um, the the colonel, he says he's like going through his record and asking why he wants to be there, and he is like being sarcastic with him and he's like i can read it i want you to give me an answer but he says when he accepts him he says i'm willing to cut you some slack because you've had it so rough and so i was then confused about do people not think that he killed these people i don't know because you have the stuff as well with his mother from the first one she's only mentioned in that second one as she you know because there was this trial which we can keep coming back from because Don Mancini is going to keep taking bits from that scene that yeah. he got to shoot. That was meant to be the opening of part two where yeah, she's on trial and then gets put in this mental hospital. And I think I think that was meant to insinuate that then they blame her. Oh, okay. So, Alex. so you've had it so rough uh, and, because and your mother is ill and did yeah, all these things. Yeah, she's and, in a mental okay. hospital. You saw these murders. You've been in foster homes for you know, 10 it. years or whatever. I feel that's where they're coming from uh, with this situation. Okay. Because yeah, Andy's now in military school. Yeah, Colonel Cochrane is there and giving us a setup and telling him that he'll cut him some slack, but he doesn't like troublemakers. Sandy needs to grow up and forget about this doll. I've got written down here. I'm, I'm finding this whole film's just far more grown up in terms of how it's shot and mm-hmm. how it looks. Like the choices for sets and costumes and grade of the film feels more like a regular movie, whereas that second one definitely was more cartoonish and like a Looney Tunes yeah, kind of film. Definitely. Yeah, for this one's like worse. super bleak, like from the get go. The Colonel also says to him. We take bedwetters and turn them into men. (laughs) (laughs) What if it's a female bedwetter? That would just be awkward. I I just want to also give a special shout out to Andy's quaffed mullet. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, we're about to get there because he goes, this is the one he gets afterwards, yeah? The one he gets when he's shaved his head. Oh, no, like at the very beginning. Right now. Uh, His hair's pretty... Yeah, but I mean, it's not head- much better afterwards. <laughs> no, because afterwards he looks like Guile from Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has pretty cool hair. He has very emo-looking hair though, in this weird way. It's like a late early '90s version of emo. It just looks so like off a, to see- a wig. Yeah, he goes off to see Sergeant Botnick, who is the aforementioned lead from Hellraiser, which is yeah, it's bugging me for the whole movie. This guy. <laughs> Oh my it's ridiculous. god. Oh wow. <laughs> so he's there just to shave the hair of the kids. This seems to be his only job that he does. 
And oh man, does he get, does he enjoy it? So he's shaving. There's basically three kids there. We've got a kid who's already having his head shaved and he's about to have his done. And if the kid who's just having his head shaved is Tyler. And this this guy, so what does I say? His name's Botnik. Yeah. He's just like, he's getting all excited. He's stroking the kid's head. He's going like, yeah, now we can see some oh skin. Oh my God. So <laughs> weird. It was the he's, weirdest. He's, <laughs> bizarre and i've i heard about this character before i even saw this film because he was he was the character that people were like oh my god you got to see this film for the hairdresser in it he's hilarious i did in the don mancini interviews he did say that there are a few roles in this movie that were not cast he thinks basically he blames this movie it's his least favorite like i said he blames so the fault to it mostly on his own script because he's a nice man but also he said there was some casting problems and both of them that he mentioned were in this scene. Uh, so one is for Botnik. Well, actually, there's three casting problems. One is for Botnik. He said he didn't imagine the hairdresser being this over the top. Um, his perspective on things was that Chucky is so over the top in this movie that everything else should be grounded. That makes sense. But the director didn't agree and the producer <laughs> didn't agree. Uh, in retrospect, Don Mancini saying he thinks that the director was right and that they sh- they indeed were correct to push this hairdresser to where he was at. But his initial thing was Chucky should be the only wacky one. Everyone else should be down to earth and, and grounded, which I agree with. But I, I do enjoy all the scenes with this hairdresser. I hated this goodness. scene. I thought it was so weird. <laughs> it was super weird. It made weird. me it so just... uncomfortable. Every time he but came he just, on, it made me uncomfortable. Yeah, I was like, please don't touch these children. <laughs> yeah, and one of the other people's actually in this in this scene, and we're introducing a key character here, which is Tyler, which is this little black kid who seems... He's playing an Atari Lynx, which I love. Yep. He's playing his yep, I had that in my notes. He was probably playing California games. <laughs> oh, man. So good. Yeah, he's... he's uh, Don Mancini said he was—he wasn't meant to be as old as he is in this film. Like they cast him much older than he was written because um, he feels, yeah, he he feels it doesn't work how enamored Tyler is. For instance, in the next moment that we get to, when a good guy's uh, the new good guy's effort comes on the TV that they're watching, saying that they're back and like the new good guys are coming out, and Tyler basically replicates the moment Andy did from the first film with this really horrible slow motion wow there's way too much slow-mo in this movie to begin with (laughs) they use it a lot slow-mo kids going wow to a tv no really tacky moment and yeah don mancini thinks it just doesn't work because he's too old like he wouldn't be that into this doll but would a kid that young be at a military academy i don't know for whatever age that he's from six or something imagining and he Here's the thing, right? He's also playing a Lynx handheld game console, which is a fair reflection of toy... 1998. Trends. Not not so much 98, but (laughs) a fair reflection of toy trends at that point. Why would a kid playing a cool game console get excited for a toy (laughs) doll that is being brought back from the 80s? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. It feels forced, but at this point, we don't really understand why. We think it's just to draw attention uh, to the TV, or at least I didn't. 
really know any other reason. Yeah, then, so then a botnik comes out with this little guy, but the Romans invented a military cut to keep their hair <laughs> short so their enemies couldn't grab a hold of it in battle and slit their throat. <laughs> Which comes back later in the film. So yeah, Andy's trying not to freak out while he's seeing this advert. And somehow, I don't know what, how, I guess it is still army, what's the word? When something's army... Regulation? Fuck. Army... Regulation. Yeah, regular. I guess it's still regulation. But everyone else is coming up basically skinhead. Andy gets a yeah, a guy. <laughs> yeah, cut, he still has like, some yeah. like some grip at the top. He's got some yeah. gel he's, in his hair. It's all like spikes he's it got, up. He's got a he's got a plate up there you could put a pizza on. It's like this huge flat table on top of his head. And what about <laughs> the girl? The girl has hair. Yeah. Sexist. That's a problem with nineteen. Why don't you shave her now, head? Let me let me tell you. You want her to be killed but not the men? Come on. <laughs> Come on. So yeah, then Andy goes to find his room and discovers his roommate is gagged and stuffed into the closet. I really thought this it. was going to be a sex scene when I heard what? like the closet banging. <laughs> I was like, he's so scared. And I was just assuming for them to like go over the top with comedy at some point because of the way they started with Chucky like doing shit for no reason. And I was like, two people having sex are going to be in there and then he's going to feel like an idiot and his roommate's going to hate him. <laughs> So yeah, that was well, not, that's was not explained. what happened. <laughs> what an interpretation. Yeah, what a guess. <laughs> no, this is, yeah, this is Whitehurst, played by Dean Jacobson, <laughs> who, yeah, Don Mancini seems to like putting people in cupboards and closets. <laughs> so that's how we get him revealed. It's kind of like his version of Michael Bay introducing women from the arse up. Don Mancini likes to introduce people from the closet outwards. I feel. Yeah. Then we cut to morning formation, Shelton. It's being a dick to everybody, but especially Barkley because he's new. <laughs> Sheldon is their... What is he? Is he a... Uh, I forgot. He's the lieutenant colonel. He's a student, but somehow he's in charge yeah. of all the kids. Yeah. Played by a guy called Travis Fine. Mm. <laughs> Perfect name for him. <laughs> yeah, he's a complete dick. I don't understand because he looks so young, but he's in control. I don't know if this is how to run military school. I have no idea how to do yeah. things. Is he just meant to be like the senior, so he gets to rule over them? Or is he actually a teacher who's just incredibly young? I don't really (laughs) know. No, I think he's like maybe just a senior in. Yeah, because it looked like he was still reporting to the uh, higher ups. It was just, yeah, it was was just funny and weird, like how much responsibility he had. Like there were no other adults. Yeah. Supervising. He can do anything he wants. Yeah, it's really weird. So, yeah, previously, sorry. Oh, fuck. What's his roommate called again? Shelton? God damn it. Whitehurst. Whitehurst. Shelton. Whitehurst, yeah, sorry. Whitehurst has told Andy that uh, Shelton was the one who stuffed him in the cupboard and that he's a nightmare. So then, yeah, at the lineup in the morning, he's being a dick to Barkley. I've seen, I've got written down, is possibly the most tension the series has had so far. <laughs> and Shelton's like walking from one of them to another of them. There's no mu- I don't know if you guys noticed, but in almost any scene where Chucky's not there, there's no music in this movie. It's completely dry. And it makes it feel more, yeah, like an army movie. Like it feels mm-hmm. like a boot camp movie at this point. I kind of forgotten Chucky's coming at any point. And I, I don't know if I like it, but it feels like they're trying to make a drama a lot more at this point. And yeah, Barkley, this new kid, I feel in this scene he does pretty well, actually. He's getting across the nervousness of a kid who's suddenly, yeah, been chucked into this situation. But then we see a girl in the lineup who's De Silva who stands up for Barclay's roommate, Whitehurst, and then Shelton makes her do 25 push-ups and she has to finish push-ups one-handed. So Barclay likes her immediately. Yeah. She's a badass bitch. 
He's yeah. like, she's good with one. So we're immediately getting, uh, <laughs> she's good with one arm. You know what that means. <laughs> no, what Imagine what Alex? she can do mean? with two. Well, they, Allison said it. You know, Arguably too much power. If you could yeah. one arm, two arm might be overkill. He seems pretty into it. Yeah. So now Tyler's at the mail room. He's waiting for a letter from his dad for getting this tiny bit of back history from him. His dad's busy flying jets, apparently. Can't tell if they're lying to him. I feel like they know his dad's died or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> they're lying to him. He's like, no, your dad's a hero. He's out flying jets. Don't worry. You'll get a letter anytime soon. Oh, he's so cute. Yeah, Tyler's, yeah, Tyler is our new Andy Barkley kid. Are you finding him a better actor, a worst actor, cuter, less cute, Allie? I think they're both cute. Andy's cute in the first two when he's like being a kid. I'm still curious to see how he's going to be in a more intense scene. But at this point, I like right. him just as much as I like Andy in the first two. What about Tyler, though? As our new kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New... That's what I'm saying yeah. is right now I like Tyler oh, okay. as much as I liked Andy when okay. he was being cute. No, he, lo- he lost me from the <laughs> overtop reaction in the barbershop when he saw the cartoon. <laughs> Since you stopped playing an Atari Lynx to watch a doll advert, Alex is out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, concentrate on your surfing, dude. Yeah. Get back onto that half pipe. <laughs> I recently replayed California games on an Atari Lynx, actually, because we had one as a prop for geeks when we shot it. And oh boy, hard to go back to some of those games, I tell you. <laughs> Better in my brain. But yeah, he's given a large package for Andy. Probably jeans. Probably. That's <laughs> what <laughs> so I'm thinking at this point. Probably jeans. <laughs> oh, boy. But he's so excited. He drops the package multiple times down the stairs. The little shit. And then notices that it's ripped and that it's a good guy doll's inside. So he gets really excited. So decides, I know, I'll take it to the armory and steal it. <laughs> Another crazy over-the-top reaction. <laughs> yep. Can't trust this kid. I do like this shot though. So he's sort of opened it up. He's looking at Chucky in a box and then Chucky just rips straight out of the package. Yeah, and jumps that was cool. through the cellophane. It was cool. Because you're wondering, oh, is he going to toy with this kid as well? Are we going to get the slow burn again where he's not revealed? Nope, fucking just jump straight out. Yep. And then immediately just says, who the fuck are you? <laughs> I love that. That was awesome. That was really cool. <laughs> that jump yeah, so that was like the Andy first time that I felt kind of tense. Nothing has scared mm-hmm. me up until this point and that was the first one that I was like, oh. Pretty good. good. And he had like, yeah, he's like, should have quit you, there. He's like, you can talk or something. He's like, I'm new and improved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I agree with Don Mancini here. Like, Tyler is clearly of an age where he's not going to believe that this doll is this articulated. If he was a little younger, maybe. Mm. But yeah, it's not, it's not working at all. But he asks for Andy, and then it dawns on Chucky very quickly. Oh, I have a new body, and I haven't told anyone my secrets. So that means I can pick anyone. So I have two problems with this scene. One is that, does this work? So I want you guys to tell me, does this work for you? Because technically, what, his soul's then in the blood, I guess? And the blood is transferring from body to body, but it seems to be the rule is when you possess a new body. So he's not technically possessing a new body. He just wasn't dead. And then yeah. they reformed him into something else. That's so what I, I was like, would this have applied works. in the second one? Because they didn't say anything. Yeah. But he seems to be pretty clear of like, this means... I yeah. Don't know. He yeah. figures it out, out out of nowhere. Yeah, I had a bit of an issue with it because it was like he spent so much time in the first two. It's like laying out this law. Yeah. Like, 
if he has a body, blah, 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 then the person that he has to get and all this sort of stuff. And and sort of also off the back of the second one where it sort of implied that he had been in the same doll and was just, he was the doll now. Like that was it kind of thing. It, yeah. It, it was a bit weird. And, and maybe I noticed that more because we're we're watching them so close together, maybe coming into the third, although this came out nine months later. Nine months later, yeah. you would have forgotten all about it. <laughs> You could have had a baby in that time. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was like a little, a little jarring to like. Yeah, I don't think it really works. I mean, and in interviews with Don Mancini that I've now seen, he's very honest about it. He's like, yeah, you know, it doesn't work, but I had to contrive something. And he wanted Andy, he he wanted to change the dynamic with Andy, which I do like. I like that he's done that. I like he wanted Andy to be more of like a Sarah O'Connor. Sorry, that's a Terminator Terminator reference, Ali. So we'll go. (laughs) What's that? <laughs> Nobody knows. Uh, yeah, he wanted him to be more of a protector and on the offensive rather than the defensive, which I do like. I think that's a cool role reversal for Andy, even if the way they do it doesn't really work. But my bigger problem actually with this scene is that he realizes that, and then he realizes he doesn't have to possess Andy anymore. So that gives him a lot of freedom to basically pick and choose. All right, well, who do I want to possess? Why, what body do I want? Who do I want to be? And he's just like, well, you're nearest, immediately just starts trying to do it on Tyler. And I'm like, wouldn't that's you, true. Wouldn't you maybe go, all right, I could be anybody. Like, who do I want to be? Let me pick a big, strong, powerful yeah. dude. It's like, why would you want to be... He seems to always want to possess a little kid yeah. all the time. Well, I mean, I the, guess you it, get the longest life. Is is the play... Oh, yeah, okay. Because I was going to say, like, is the play there that he revealed himself when he jumped out of the box and therefore then has the realization that, oh, I've revealed myself to this kid. But then he also revealed himself no, to Sullivan yeah. first. He Wouldn't... very clearly says to... No, I think it's once you tell them who you really are. Because he very then clearly right, afterwards okay. says, oh, I could have turned one day and says, hey, I'm Charles Lee Ray. And then introduce himself right. properly. I think that's the mythical moment <laughs> where your fate is sealed. <laughs> yeah, so he could have chosen anyone. That's true. Any yeah. It's very weird. My only logic for that is like it's a kid who seems gullible and they're alone in a room so he can get him to possess him straight away. Like that's the mm-hmm. only possible reason. Meanwhile, Andy Barkley's on the shooting range. He's terrible. Whereas De Silva's an amazing shot who says that she's kind of trying to be thrown out of Kent. She's like, well, I wouldn't be here if they would fucking throw me out. But Stop being so which good. Which doesn't really come back again. But yeah. So then she helps teach Barkley how to shoot and we get a little romantic moment. Yeah. Hold the gun like this. Yeah. Nothing says romance like a gun. Meanwhile, Tyler is lying on the floor, going along with Chucky and allowing him to do his incantation. Clouds start to roll in. Alex. New, new voodoo clouds. It, it's cloud time. How are we judging these ones? These are some new voodoo clouds. Uh, they've gone for a lighter shade rather than the darker gray. Still looks pretty awful. My only thought at that my only thought at that point is why haven't we ever heard throughout the series so far a news report about these odd brief storm clouds that appear yeah appear out of nowhere incredibly weird weather phenomena nobody mentions it It happens briefly and then disappears that's true that that is completely true everyone would be slightly worried about climate change yeah (laughs) sporadic sporadic isolated storms no mention that's all i was thinking at that point after i noticed that we had new clouds 
I well, see, I'd written down similar in quality to part two. So what I'm really hoping is on YouTube is someone has taken all these cloud moments and the Chucky movies and edited them together for our reflection. We should do that <laughs> so in the wrap up. Is rate our yeah? Clouds, I fill in the wrap the up. <laughs> if if no one else has done it, I'm going to take the time to get all these movies, edit those scenes together, and put them in a useful little YouTube video for us. I think so we the, can go back that's and a good way pick to spend our favorite time. clouds. Exactly. I think so. It's not like we have actual movies to be making. Nah. So let's do that. Cloud movies. But they're disturbed at the last minute in this incantation by Cochrane, who takes Chucky away. And Chucky says to Tyler, I'll be back. So even more Terminator references, all going over Ali's head, no doubt. I'll be back. To you guys, does Chucky, when he's in his Chucky form, obviously not when he's good guys, doll, does his face look way more aggressive in this because that was the yeah. thing i noticed like the scowl yeah. was the was eyebrows really, are like always like always down like it's down. always like, yeah. fixed yeah, yeah, in yeah. that scowl yeah he's an angry man i don't, I don't know for me it was like i liked they, they they played with a bit more like they were if i guess if you can yeah there were more nuances i felt in the second one with his like the animatronics which is interesting because like, you said they used more computer yeah but it's a redesign then so i guess they were kind of learning with it Uh, but yeah i feel they definitely want to make him more just flat out angry a lot of the time and i get it you love number two alex we all understand (laughs) (laughs) i've written down at this point does this film know what it wants to be because i'm confused i'm finding the chucky scenes at stark contrast with everything else that's happening in the military school i feel they're doing a fairly decent tv movie drama about kids in military school and then this chucky (laughs) stuff is coming in (laughs) <laughs> and it just doesn't the the tone just doesn't fit for me at all because he's seeming to want to be more maniacal more perverted with how much fun and toying he wants to do and even more goofy arguably with his kills you know killing people with yo-yos and stuff and yet everything else in this movie is playing it far more dour and more serious but yeah so andy's in training uh, when he sees chucky being taken out by cochrane so he drops his gun and then we get that stupid fucking rifle and gun song that I remember from. Oh god! This is my rifle. This is my gun. It was this horrible. is for shooting. This is for fun. Grabs his crotch. I had never heard that before. You heard that? Oh yeah. My oh, god. Oh yes. I don't think I've ever Hate rolled it. my eyes so hard. You're a lucky lady that you've never heard that before. <laughs> I think I would punch anyone in the face who said that to me. <laughs> Particularly if you're not holding a rifle, it's just <laughs> bad chat, bad chat of line. <laughs> Cochrane puts Chucky into a very convenient garbage truck that just seems to be waiting for this scene. It's <laughs> just sitting there on standby, waiting for the scene to unfold. And then Chucky starts calling out to get the driver to come and investigate, which he does. And then Chucky's crawling out of it and activates the crusher on the garbage man who really didn't deserve anything. I know. <laughs> If he oh, could yeah. get out without the garbage man going in, he was just, yeah. just killing him because he wanted to. And then everyone hears the scream and goes to investigate and they find the man dead. Oh, and this is this is kill number two. And I think we're already yeah. like 40 minutes in or something at this point. Yeah, it's been a slow burn. Mm-hmm. To be fair, at least 20 of those first 40 minutes, at least 20 are just with the chairman at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Barkley and Whitehurst are talking in their dorm room and we see Chucky is hiding in their trunk. Then Whitehurst comes back in and tells Barkley there was a package uh, Tyler was supposed to give to him, uh, but he never got it. So we see Chucky grabbing a little pen knife as Barkley's putting out a photo of him and his mum. 
nice little coolbacks. Is Except it the same time, photo or is this a different one? No, it's bigger oh, yeah, and then... it's in color. Yeah. There we go. And nice. Whitehurst also says to him about, they're talking about the good guy dolls. And he says, oh, good guys, I remember those. Highlighting again that these are no longer in trend. Nobody wants them back. <laughs> yep. They're more in demand than ever before, Alex. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> And then we see Chucky is under the bed and he cuts Andy's leg and crawls out. And I'm, I was shocked at this point. I thought, oh, we're going to get a contrived series of Chucky not quite being able to like get at Andy. But no, he just fucking slices the back yeah. of his legs. Which, Oof. by the way, Andy's not able to walk for the rest of the film. That's the reality of the rest <laughs> of this movie. But then Chucky just comes straight out and then reveals him and tells him, reveals himself to Andy and says, hey, I don't, I don't need you anymore. And then Andy works out that the soul that Chucky's going to be taking over is Tyler. And then Chucky gives the line. Say it, Anyone out. else want to say it rather than me? I don't, think it ever should it. Have, I don't think it ever should have been said to begin with. Say it, Ali. I just wrote down that we are now sticking with this not being politically correct. And he is sexist and racist. Excellent. Say it, Ali. Wanted, say the line. This is not what I asked for. Outrageous things. <laughs> Chucky says Chucky's going to be a bro, and he's very happy about it. He doesn't. He doesn't say it like that. Just to be clear, <laughs> this is the scene. I watched the trailer for this. 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 This is in the trailer. Uh, what I was actually more surprised. I'm so glad and they were so proud was, of it. Well, I was happy that back in 1991, this caused trouble. Like people were upset about this line, and no they ended shit. up cutting it. Good. I'm glad. Well, <laughs> I don't remember 1991 being as politically correct, to be honest. So I thought this might have been like... No, but it makes me happy that people were Um, like, this is not cool. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, But again, it's weird when you write these characters. Because it's like, is Chucky allowed? (laughs) You wanted this. This is not what I... I did not say I want racist Chucky. I said I like crude Chucky. I like when he curses. I like... (laughs) You wanted him to say the C word, but not the B word. I never said C word. Hey, there's a lot worse things he could have said, to be fair. So we're just going to be grateful. That's true, but still. Yeah, yeah, it it did cause trouble at the time. It was actually ended up being cut out of many of the iterations of this movie that were released. Um, But now we have have it back now in its full, complete glory. So there it is. Yeah, but it is weird, isn't it? Like, are we happy because we kind of... Are we championing Chucky yet? Like, I feel like we are, but at this point, he's definitely an icon in the pop culture In by 1991. Kids were liking him. So you have to be careful. He is this weird version. Like, he could influence people with what he's saying. But if you're just looking at him as a bad person, it's like, I mean, Freddy Krueger said some horrible things. Yeah. <laughs> some things about dark meat and stuff. Even by the time we get to 2000 and... <laughs> Was it eight? <laughs> you remember that, Alex and Freddy yeah. versus Jason? <laughs> yeah. Really just not cool things. But you're like, yeah, but it's Freddy. So it's, I'm not happy he said that, but I shouldn't be happy he said that because he's a villain. So it's it's a tough line. And with Chucky, it's tough because he is, he looks like a, a toy. So it's like, you don't, <laughs> you shouldn't say these things. <laughs> shouldn't have politically incorrect moments. But we're fine with him murdering people. So just don't make... Yeah, you can kill people. Gender-based or cultural... (laughs) (laughs) Culturally inappropriate references, but you can kill people. Charlton comes in to find Barkley just beating the doll. And Chucky plays dead. So then Sheldon takes it from him. It's now nighttime. Barkley's creeping into Shelton's room with his pocket knife. 
good good tactic uh he sees a weapons display case just up on shelton's wall with a perfect a perfect cartoonish outline of where a large knife has been taken from it <laughs> i love that this guy's allowed to have like these crazy hunting knives a samurai sword with an unlocked <laughs> door it Amazing. looks like he's part of uh the cobra kai's from karate kid he's, yeah, he's sure. one of those and then chucky spooks him and Shelton wakes up to find Barkley with a knife and the doll has disappeared. So Cochrane comes out to find uh, Shelton has taken the whole unit outside in the rain because uh, he's upset that someone stole the doll and he's blaming Barkley. But since Barkley says it's not him, he's going to get everyone out in the rain, walking in circles, trying to weed out who stole Chucky. And everyone's blaming Barkley at this point. So we're getting a lot of people pissed with him and tripping him over. But then we come back to Chucky, who's now gone over to Tyler. Uh, who's gone to his bedroom and then finds a note for him, which says that Tyler is hiding. This is a bold move by Tyler, I feel, to <laughs> decide at nighttime to leave a note in your bed for a doll that was confiscated from you and then to go hiding and just wait. <laughs> yep. Yep. Again, maybe if he's five, but not at the age that this kid is. It's playing weird. Yeah, the way he kind of like goes about sort of giggling as he's running around the uh, the academy, and he's like, <laughs> and it's like that just seems weird and not age appropriate. Like he so weird, and even Chucky finds it weird. He's like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> <laughs> like I picked a nightmare of a kid. I should have thought about this more. Should have chosen an adult. Exactly. You think he just melt himself down, get rebuilt, try again, just reset? Yeah, he's like, yeah, never mind. Barkley, however, sneaks out of formation um, and wants to go check on Tyler, but he's immediately found by Shelton, so they exchange punches. And then he's just back in the loop again, back running again. I feel you'd be punished more for punching yeah. your lieutenant in the face. But no. Yeah, meanwhile, Tyler's doing what you're saying. Alex playing hide-and-seek with Chucky and giggling, and Chucky looks pretty pissed off about it. And then Whitehurst starts asking Barkley what's going on, so he tells him that the doll's alive and after Tyler. And then meanwhile, De Silva and another girl. Now, was she part of the military school or is she coming? She looks like she's in the cheerleading outfit. I was very yeah, she looks yeah. so out of place. <laughs> she looks so out of place. I didn't notice her she's in the like, lineup either. I don't know if she's yeah, a friend that she's brought in or something. Would that be allowed? She looks out of place time-wise as well. She looks like an, like an 80s-style high school friend. <laughs> yes, exactly. They break into Cochrane's room uh, to take a look at Barkley's file because she finds Barkley hot. So let's get some dirt on the kid rather than just yep. ask him out. <laughs> but they find Tyler and Chucky in the closet playing hide the soul, as Chucky likes to do. And then De Silva plays with Chucky and puts lipstick on him. Uh, and they hear someone. So they ditch the doll, run out. Chucky comes alive, rubs the lipstick off and says, this means war. <laughs> if we weren't getting Looney Tunes enough, it's starting to come back again here. <laughs> I expected him to do it with the with the Daffy Duck lisp. This means war. <laughs> exactly. Cochrane then checks in on his office, finds the doll, so he drops him in the trash because everyone's constantly in this series convinced that that's how you get rid of things, even though he doesn't even fit in the trash. Uh, but then he turns around and Chucky is gone and then comes running at Cochrane with a knife and Cochrane has a heart attack. So... Oh my god. First of all, tell me how you feel about this kill, and then I'll give you a bit of information about why it was written this way. I thought it was kind of funny. It was just in an so ironic over the way. Top. 
Oh, it was, absolutely. His reaction, the way he played, he's like, it's like, you think he's going to drop dead and it cuts to Chucky, then it cuts back and he's still going and he's getting more sweaty. (laughs) It was, that was the cartooniest heart attack kill ever. Yeah. So this is the third actor that Don Mancini was upset with the casting because he said it was written to be like someone we've recently covered, Ali, Ali Ernie, who's Mm. in uh, the Texas Chainsaw reboots. Uh, and obviously most famous from Full Metal Jacket. This character was meant to be incredibly aggressive, incredibly loud, very pushy and mean, and a real, as macho as macho could be, so that when the heart attack happened, it was funny. And that was the entire point, was then when he just sees the doll, he has a heart attack and dies, and it's this very macho man is like that actually that much of a wuss. That was the joke. The casting ruins the joke. So Don Mancini's kind of upset about this. The weird thing for me is I actually... Something I'm liking about this film are some of these mistakes with casting. Like, I like the fact that this guy wasn't a cartoonish, you know, general who's all shouty and mean and had some sensibility to him. I like that even Shelton, who's a dick, isn't the biggest dick. He could have been worse. He could have been even more over the top. But it certainly doesn't work for this scene then. This scene's really weird (laughs) because of it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like with Shelton, they made him more of that kind of macho drill sergeant, which yeah. I felt was just a little too kind of stereotypical. Yeah. Um, but he's still believably, like he does it, but he still, he does it to a level where, yeah, that's how it would have been in boarding school. He's not actually endangering people. He's not actually, like, he's he's pulling, he's just pulling it back, you know, before it gets too far, which I feel in a lot of films like this, they would just go truly cartoonish with Shelton. We also get some crazy electric guitar in the soundtrack here during this heart attack scene which was very enjoyable Uh, and then the coroner just takes away the body while all the boys are watching so Shelton makes a point here which I think goes back to what you were saying about Don Mancini where he says that Cochrane did two tours of duty in Vietnam or something like he was a hero but he died from a heart attack which would have played if he was that line would have played and worked if he was this macho military guy that's true. I hadn't thought of it that way. That is true. And yeah, it's weird how much just one casting decision can <laughs> deflate a whole bunch of stuff. So then we're at breakfast and our barber friend is walking around. <laughs> and I love this. <laughs> He's just picking people. He's like, you, next Thursday. You, Tuesday. And they, and who does he, he goes up to one kid and he goes, my man. And they did a yeah. little high five because <laughs> he says. When he goes to Andy, if you watch it back, I'm almost positive he rubs his hair and then sniffs it. Like he kind of goes oh, in and swoops. From his hand? Cr- no, he like no, he doesn't sniff his hair. That would have been way worse. <laughs> but he rubs his hair and then as he walks past, he kind of leans in and sort of like it looks like he sniffs the top of his hair. Weird. Oh, I don't know which is worse. I think that's both as bad as each other. Yeah, he so he signs Whitehurst for for uh, his hair to be done straight away after breakfast. Barkley then gets up to go over to Tyler, but someone trips him over. So we're building this whole thing of people don't like Barkley. It never really pays off, I don't feel. But I guess it helps you feel sorry for him, I suppose. So he goes over and talks to Tyler about Chucky. Tyler's back to playing his links like any sensible kid would. (laughs) Tyler doesn't believe him that Chucky's a bad man. So Andy just gives him a knife. (laughs) Yeah. And there's no acknowledgement from Tyler that Chucky was actually meant for Andy and that he stole him. Yeah, no, no, no. He's just like, you're just jealous because now he's my best friend. It's like, you fucking stole him, dude. <laughs> you little shit. 
Are you feeling Andy is the lead of this though? Because we do have quite a lot of characters going on. Like, are you on board with Andy? I, feel I don't like- feel like he's as much the lead for me in this one. For me, he feels like uh, a bit more like Kyle in the second one. And he's that older character. And yeah, it plays a bit like, like you were saying, he's a bit more on the offensive here and on the attack. But I, I still don't, I, I don't know. I don't, I didn't feel like it was necessarily his story though. Yeah, it's hard be- you think because it, you- we've had him in the first two. So you're like, obviously, he was the lead in the first two movies. So he's going to play a major role if they've bothered to bring him back. I want to say it's Tyler's story, but it also feels hard saying it's Tyler's story. And at this point, you're kind of getting an almost equal amount of time with the multiple characters that we do have, like Tyler, Andy, yeah. Shelton, Whitehurst. Not necessarily Whitehurst, He's less yeah. Whitehurst. But- and- and more time maybe even with Chucky. Yeah. Like especially Chucky like speaking and, and kind of talking more about his intentions that it almost is starting now to feel like that shift of it becoming Chucky's story. Yeah. Purely his no, story. No, I agree. It feels like definitely an ensemble. I, I would say Andy's still got the, the, you know, the lion's share, but not enough to really feel like, yeah, confidently he's going to be the one who sees this all through. Yeah, so then with White Hess, who's getting his uh, hair shaved, uh, which the barber keeps saying that people they keep talking about people being bald but they're not no <laughs> they're not bald more worrying for me i don't know if you guys notice he has lots of photos yes <laughs> around his walls of all the kids that's what with <laughs> a lock of their hair did you see that no yeah so so the polaroids are of the kids when they had longer scruffy hair and <laughs> underneath the polaroid like some kind of trophy like he's a predator keeping trophies of his kills that's what like um, are pieces of the kid's hair. And I was like, this they're guy is gonna, all over the world. He's a serial killer. Like, if they had let his character stay alive, they could bring him into a second, to another Chucky movie, and it could be like Chucky versus the fucking weird barber man who's also going around and I killing love, a bunch I love of it. people and then taking Terrifying. their hair. I mean, think of the effort just from a set point of view. You're on a tight schedule. And someone's like, you know what would be great? Let's have all these photos. <laughs> they had, someone had to do that. That was someone's job. They're pinning it up like, oh, that's not a good idea. I <laughs> <laughs> looks like a sex offender. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I guess they know better than me. Hollywood producers. So Chucky then falls out of a cupboard and the barbershop guy's alone with him. He decides to cut his hair too because he's... The thing that crazy but chucky slits his throat before he can death number four. Oh, four. go oh yeah the heart attack whitehurst comes back down finds him dead with chucky standing there so we get another reveal straight off the bat which is kind of cool and this is as the kent annual war games are about to start which is basically paintball the whole camp split into reds and blues and they take it very seriously go out reenact a war but with paintballs no one seems that excited about this sounds very cool to me i thought this sounded like a lot of fun just to rewind, I love that Chucky just says boo to Whitehurst when he sees him. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's funny. I know that's kind of cool. Moment. He doesn't give a fuck anymore. He's revealing himself to almost anyone other than, I guess, full-grown adults, which he's trying to be more coy about. Whitehurst doesn't tell anyone about the barber being dead. What is going on? So Whitehurst, I like this kid's reaction. He comes running out. He's like, everyone's in formation, ready to go out and do these war games. And then he just runs past them all. It gets information and doesn't, and just decides not to do anything about it. You just saw a dead body and a doll that's alive that said boo. <laughs> and you don't tell anybody 
that there's a yep. dead man down there. I don't. I'm not buying any of this. Yeah. At all. I mean, mm-hmm. I can. I can see that they're probably trying to play it off as the. Obviously, no one will believe him that the doll's alive, and they'll blame him for the death. But I think there's. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to buy for sure that he wouldn't say anything, especially with like the type of goody goody kid that he is. That's it, and the fact that he doesn't say anything. Like, so okay, so we accept he doesn't say anything, and then we have these kids again going out unsupervised to participate in these war games overnight. (laughs) Surely they would have found the barber's body, and (laughs) the kids would have been told to come back. No holes. Yeah, no, I don't. It's weird, but Andy notices that he's really shaken up. See. He's trying to get out of him. What did he see? Meanwhile, Chucky's in the armory and starts replacing uh, the paint bullets with real bullets. Not sure <laughs> if you could actually do this because they're very different shapes and very different guns. But sure, let's just give it. <laughs> let's just give it this one, shall we? Yeah, I like that the paint bullets are just not regular bullets with a little red or blue label on them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Barkley's trying to get the truth out of White House, but he won't break. So then we cut to night. They're all out in their tents. Seriously, this looks like tons of fun to me. They're all out in their tents playing this war game. Uh, De Silva's telling a ghost story around a campfire. And uh, this is weird. Okay, so she tells this ghost story. Andy then walks off and she follows him. I don't know if you guys noticed, but she's followed by another girl who says, all right, I've got a better story and this one's true. And it's about a mental institute that's a few miles away from here. Mm-hmm. Do you get so for me, at this point in the movie, I'm like, oh, shit, Andy's mother's going to come in at the end of this movie. Like, that's, I felt like they just set that up so beautifully. Yeah. And it's very clear her saying that, but then they just move on. And you're like, it would be fucking fantastic. Or like, uh, yeah. she just turns up again and like does a Sarah O'Connor at the end and saves them. Doesn't happen, never comes up again. It's this weird little nod, I guess. I don't know. It's, I don't know. I don't know what the purpose of it is, but it got me excited. yeah no i liked it as well i thought over the mom right away and i thought yeah whether she was gonna whether it was gonna be part of that story and how that might affect andy if it came up but yeah we were all let down (laughs) nothing no delivery opportunity she's still married to the effects guy like she'll come back i'm sure it wouldn't be a problem (laughs) uh de silva runs after barkley tells him that she's actually called krista she doesn't look like a krista to me but all right uh, no. She takes him to a viewpoint so that they can see a fun fair in the distance. Chucky is watching them. <laughs> and then De Silva starts making out with Andy and Chucky says, man, I really got to get out of this body. That was funny. Kissy kissy. So some people take umbrage with this fun fair being there. I kind of like it. It makes sense to me contextually with the geography and stuff. Some people are like this is just so contrived. The fun fair wouldn't be there and blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I don't know. Fun I think it's in weird places. I thought it was kind of cool, just like a creepy fun fair in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. And you know that's where they're going to end up. As soon as they see it, you're like, if well. If they show right. it, yeah. They've got to end up at this carnival. Barkley's stolen a map from uh, Shelton's tent because he's going to try and find Tyler to help him. Uh, there's a nice single sentence solution here when someone's like, where did you get, how do you know where Tyler is? And he just like, does one sentence to basically, oh, I crept into Shelton's place and I found this map and then I stole it. And then on this map, there are these little marks. And from that mark, we can tell that someone knew that Tyler must be, it's just, it's, then he does it in one sentence, which is good, stupid writing. So he's going off to rescue Tyler. Whitehurst refuses to join him because he's still too scared. But after leaving, the whole camp decides to move in the middle of the night because the map has been stolen. And then they realize that Barkley is missing. 
So Barkley gets across to the red camp, asks where Tyler is. Apparently he went AWOL with some, some guy named Charles. No one seems <laughs> worried about this. No. <laughs> Happens all the time. Then De Silva, back in the blue camp, realizes that Andy is gone. We get these little clumps of snow here in the forest. This movie again actually takes place over the three-day cycle. And yeah, snow seems to be a recurring theme in these movies. I don't know if it was on purpose. I don't know if it was bad continuity. Because sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like it. Chucky and Tyler are hiding from Barkley. And then Tyler finally realizes that Chucky is bad. So he stabs him and runs and calling out for Barkley. And then De Silver is attacked by Chucky as Tyler turns up screaming. And then we get this hilarious moment and they're all together with... Uh, they're with a the blue team, aren't they? And then over the radio, Chucky asks for Barkley. <laughs> and they have this really weird private conversation, but in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> as Chucky basically pits the two teams against each other while holding De Silver captive by an old jeep. And he's like, a body old jeep. You can come and get her if you bring uh, Tyler. And then the blue team shows up and Chucky's happy to just show himself to them. It's and They all seem to adjust again fairly quickly to this. Yep. Yeah. As everybody does. Is, is this the point yep. where he says, hi, soldier, and gives the middle finger? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, so this is our first Chucky finger in this game. Ah, this film. Yep. This one. In this game? <laughs> this in game. games, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler then gets shot in the te- chest by the red team because we find out the well, I don't know if they were trying to tell us before, but I didn't realize Chucky's only changed the bullets from paint to bullet, real bullets for the red team. So a couple of things here. One, other than just mayhem, because it makes Chucky's life so much harder because as soon as this happens, bad things happen. Chucky could get shot and he's human or, you know, getting human so he could get hurt at least. Tyler can get away in this mayhem. Like why contrive this to begin with? Other than you just want to see people shoot each other. Like, at least take over the body first and then let them do this or something. It yeah, what really happens dumb. if Tyler gets killed? Yeah, it's just, it's really stupid. But I get, in, you know, in a writing point of view, it could have been this cool scene. But Chucky only changed the bullets in the red team's thing. So as soon as one shot goes off and someone's killed, it would all stop. <laughs> because a bullet, a paintball gun going off and a bullet going off do not make remotely the same sound yeah and do not kill people in the same way and 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 plus they didn't even have the budget and don mancini is kind of frustrated with this scene he wanted it to be a big war and they don't even have the budget to do that so you get like one kid's killed maybe another kid i don't really notice it's like it's so yeah several um, shots go off disappointing but only shelton is shot i think it's a really deflated scene you're waiting for this big sort of gunfight to happen and it just sort of stops very, very quickly. I don't know. I found it disappointing. Uh, but Chucky's just too busy laughing at it all. And then Tyler gets away. And I just feel like, you <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could have done this much, much yeah. easier. <laughs> and then they blame Chuck. They, 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 yeah, then they all turn and blame Andy, even though they all just saw a talking, swearing doll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what? No one's phased by it ever. That's like no. a very consistent thing throughout all of these movies. No, no one yeah, even, and, and they were just the Andy. It's like you just saw a possessed doll take someone captive, and yet you're blaming Andy for what just happened. Um, and then Chucky throws a grenade, and White—I've <laughs> got White Horse written down here accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> White Horse 
sacrifices himself by jumping onto it. In a very strange sequence, which I don't know. I don't believe I don't believe he'd do any of the things he's been doing for the latter half of this movie, to be completely honest. Yeah, and then we kind of leave them and we follow Tyler who's running to a near the nearby fairground. He sees security telling off a couple with a ghetto blaster in one of my favorite moments in the movie. <laughs> you got that guy and his girlfriend and he's just got one of those huge ghetto blasters That's he used right. to have in the 80s and he's carrying it around on his shoulder he's like you're being a nuisance <laughs> with your noise you gotta move on out of here kids so then yeah he goes to see the security officer and he gives tyler some gum and we see that there's a gun in his drawer which they very clearly try and show us mm-hmm. and then he says well, don't worry kid i know what cheer oh, you up crap. i just found this good guy's doll which yeah okay fine and then Barkley and DeSilva get to the fun fair, head to security, and they find that the officer is already dead. And so DeSilva takes his handgun. Uh, because the, the other gun was this little gun, which we presume Chucky's already taken. Yeah, they show that little, uh, the little handgun we're guessing has been taken by Chucky. DeSilva takes the big handgun straight from his holster. And then they see Chucky and Tyler heading into a horror-themed ride. And in the commotion of the ride, Tyler then gets away from Chucky. So... Ali, we've been here before. Fun fairs, horror franchises, yes. slasher villains. How's this shaping up next to the Texas Chainsaw 3D? I was more excited to have Leatherface at a fun fair than I was to have Chucky at a fun fair. But like Chucky fits a fun fair perfectly. He's a little doll. You could have him in one of those, you know, shoot to win the prize and you win the Chucky doll. <laughs> yeah. Down. They could have I mean, had it's, like loads it's of good fitting. guy dolls. I was... My excitement came more from we never, ever, ever saw Leatherface in a public place or with people who were not the main characters. So that's why I was excited to have something different. We see Chucky with a bunch of people all the time. And he, in this film, obviously, up until this point, has had no problems just letting everybody see that he's alive. So at this point, I'm like, oh, look, he's going to go show some more people and fuck more shit up. That is true. Uh, Alex, Nightmare on Elm Street never went to a fun fair, if my memory serves me correct, did it? I feel like in Final Nightmare there was some cray... Oh no, that was just a bus ticket booth thing. I, don't know. I can't remember, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> if it was, it'd be, it was very short. Certainly not a sustained yeah. long scene. Uh, how are you? Oh, actually, no. It goes... Idea? Don't they go to that like old sort of ghost towny type fun fair? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which I think is in, yeah. in in Final Nightmare. Don't, like, stop talking about you. Stop talking about Freddy's Dead, all right? I get it. You love Chucky 2 and you love Freddy's Dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how is this? Like, we get a, it's a completely tonal shift. We've got bright colors. We've got people everywhere. I like it when they do this stuff. It's not... Oh, well, at this point, when they first get into the fun fair, I'm kind of enjoying it because there's people everywhere. We're outside. But then we get into this ride and things get real goofy real quickly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, for me, it's like the, the setting was really cool, but they didn't really use it or use a lot of the other people that were there in any kind of meaningful or exciting sort of way. I think it's called budget. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and so just a funny thing that I thought is when, when De Silva and Barkley see Tyler and Chucky go into the, the ghost ride. They both see them go in, and then Barkley like yells pretty much into Silver's ear, "In there!" <laughs> and then they run. <laughs> That's him being the hero. Uh, you just shout and point. 
Yeah, Tyler gets away from Chucky in the commotion of the ride, and Chucky then shoots the Silver, uh, so she gives Barkley the gun. And then they head to a different part of the ride with red lighting now. This is the biggest ride I've ever seen. It's so... Like, if we see the outside of this ride, and then we're inside it, and we're in a series of massive sets with very <laughs> sparse decorating going on. It's, yeah, it's bizarre. And Chucky's about to get Tyler when a huge prop scythe comes down and cuts half his face off. What fucking ride is this? When That's what I was like, this is a real weapon? What? <laughs> terrifying also nobody who's on the ride is reacting to the people running around and laying down underneath their roller coaster car nobody's doing anything about it yeah no one cares i i I will say this though i I thought um chucky looks really cool with half his face off again yeah he does look cool i wrote that down also i was like this is ridiculous that that would be real but his face looks cool yeah, it takes me back to that first one where he sort of got all burnt up and then came out and it, it looks cool. Mm-hmm. I like it. And I do like they really do fuck him up. And I was thinking about it with other villains, it's harder to destroy them like this. But with a doll, it's easier to kind of rip them apart and then imagine them being rebuilt. So you can do a lot more fun things with him. And it's cool because he's sort of got all that sinewy tissue and muscle. Yeah. Like there's no defined bones or anything, but it's just all kind of like stretching and pulling. It's really Yeah, cool. it looks cool. It looks cool. So then Tyler rides what can only be called a squawking demon dragon beast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was with Katie for this film and she suddenly turned around at that moment. I was like, what the hell is happening in this movie? I really don't know. I don't know. Well, Chucky takes a lift on its claws and then a prop itself knocks Tyler out. (laughs) It just like turns around and just knocks him out. As Andy arrives and climbs the roller coaster to get to them. So then Chucky's up on the top of this sort of mountain of skulls doing his incantation on a now out of cloud, out of, uh, sorry, unconscious Tyler. And we get more clouds. Uh, I wrote down original voodoo clouds, these ones looks like. They were of the heavier, darker gray. So we'll deal with that in the wrap up. Oh, that means good times. Um, I have a question written down here. Do all horror movies have tiny plastic mountains? (laughs) <laughs> are you speaking of the texas chainsaw massacre too by any chance ali i am uh i think if you if you take place in a fun ride at any point then i think it's mandatory but no i can confirm that was all that a, horror movies do not have fun... tiny plastic mountains okay. or franchises i should say at <laughs> some point in every franchise is there a plastic mountain there isn't in jason so no <laughs> But okay. good question. <laughs> Considering these are your only two horror franchise, I sometimes forget that you've been subjected to Texas Chainsaw and Chucky as your first two horror franchises. <laughs> Amazing. Oh. oh boy. So what the fuck is going on here? Because the incantation is now four times longer than it's ever been. He gets through it and then he seems to start again and then start again and then start again all to buy time for Andy <laughs> to get up there. It's I don't know what's happening. This feels to me like what Don Mancini is quite open to say, which is like, yeah, you didn't really know what you're doing. You're just kind of rushing through it. Not many ideas. Mm -hmm. Manipulating stuff. Uh, Andy takes shots at Chucky. He misses with the first shot. Then he takes off Chucky's right arm. Third film in a row. I wrote down, I thought it was the left arm in this one. Oh, yeah, it was actually. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You're correct. So he takes off the left arm. There's a point where his right arm comes. No, it has to be the right arm. His, His right hand comes off. Yes. But the first yeah, thing yeah, he yeah. loses is his arm. And now he's like, oh, that's weird. It's his left arm. I think one. you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. 
Uh, but his right arm, his right hand does come off though. He tries to bite Andy when he gets up to the top, which I think is the first time we see Chucky go for a bite in this one. Yeah, he hasn't yeah. done much bitey buddy. Not much melee action yeah. in this so far. <laughs> exactly. And then he shoots Chucky off the mountain. He wakes up Tyler. Chucky attacks again. They struggle and send Chucky plummeting down into a huge rotating blade. It's just there. Yep. I didn't see this in many of the other shots. It just seems to be there. But anyway, decimates Chucky's body into lots of little pieces. It uh, explodes. Lots of shots. It explodes. Uh, like it, they keep going back to it of like, and here's more flesh flying everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And Ooh. from this angle, there's more flesh flying everywhere. You got to like, celebrate it. I got it. I get it. I saw it happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do Silver's taken away by an ambulance? <laughs> She says, no, he says to her, no, she says to him, will you be okay? And he says, don't worry, I've been here before. (laughs) So cheesy. As Andy is taken away by the police, presumably. They're going to increase it. If they haven't before, Ali, they're going to increasingly be blaming Andy, that's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) It's now officially his fault. They're going to free the mom and be like, oh, we realize you are not the insane one. It's your son. Exactly. Uh, the fairground then, we see it shutting down in this kind of big cinematic moment. And then we see uh, a garbage guy picking up trash. And we're like, oh, I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Nope. Credits. Yep. <laughs> Does not pick love- up a piece of Chucky. There's no, like, nothing. And it's like, why would you show him? I don't understand. I love how Closure. these all, like, all these films so far, I've just loved how they've ended. <laughs> To just stop. Yeah, it just yeah. stops. It's like, our work is done. We're out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, we can't keep the lights on. Oh, okay, we run out of money. Let's just... <laughs> All right, that's um, fine. We'll end here. Baffling to me. Absolutely baffling. Like, why would you not just have a piece of Chucky that we see? Even he doesn't have to see it. But just like you see him just stab with his little pokey stick in the garbage, a piece of Chucky that got spewed out from the rotating blades or some bullshit. Don't understand. Why show him to begin with? Very strange. And then we get credits, and I just wanted to call out my favorite name in the credits. Ooh. Because uh, I waited through to see if there's anything at the end. There's nothing post-credits here. Stunt coordinator of this movie has a great name. He's called Dick Warlock. <laughs> 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 Presumably not his given name, but... <laughs> <laughs> the greatest names of all time and potentially <laughs> even more funny since he chose to be called Dick Warlock. <laughs> I need to look this man up. Let's see if he has his real I name on it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> oh, God, that is good. Dick Warlock. Oh, boy, oh, boy. So there we go. That was Charles Play 3. A few... Let's all go through any extra things we've got to say quickly. So... What do I have? I have his real name. What's his real name? His real, his given name is Richard Anthony Lemming. Oh, ah, yeah. So Dick is the nickname for Richard. Yeah. So he kept that, but he he added. Warlock. <laughs> you know what? If Lemming, he's like, I know, I'll be called Warlock. <laughs> like, oh, I didn't think it through. Now I'm Dick Warlock. <laughs> so um, Don Mancini. Sorry, do you want to go first? Actually, got some fun facts for us. No, <laughs> no. I was just going to say this film <laughs> is also known as Child's Play 3, Look Who's Stalking. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Which they should have kept that. That was brilliant. Yeah. Although it probably wouldn't play so well now, I guess, in retrospect. 
Uh, yeah, because I mean, the Look Who's Talking films were pretty big at this point too. So Yeah, Katie was watching one of those yesterday, <laughs> weirdly, or day before yesterday. Yeah, Domenicini admits that the ending is very contrived, uh, but he does say, he said that they wanted three distinct locations to sort of freshen things up a little bit. And so, uh, yeah, originally, like we said, there was this big mass- massacre of the gunfight. And he said he can't remember exactly why it didn't happen. So he thinks it was partly the budget, partly also because it was a PC thing. He was, they were worried having that many kids killing each other wouldn't be good. Because since they're shooting each other and it's not Chucky actually doing it. Yeah, like we said before, this is Don Mancini's least favorite in the series. Uh, for most fans, now people do differ with a bunch of films. But for most fans, this is their second least favorite. Uh, there is another film that we're going to get to, which is most fans' least favorite by far. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not Don Mancini's. He prefers the other film. He's quite proud of the other film, actually. This is also Brad Dourif's least favorite uh, of all of the Chucky films. Yeah, and this is also the only Chucky film with no female deaths. Only guys die in this movie. But Progressive. Yeah, this movie didn't make much money. It ended up taking seven years until the next Chucky movie was made. Because, yeah, arguably just overkilled it too much. I would say the, the real-life deaths, tragedies certainly didn't help with the publicity around Chucky at that point. It was very hard to bring him back uh, internationally anyway. But there you go. Charles Play 3, IMDb gives it a 5.0, the lowest rating so far. Ali, let's start with you this week. How do you feel about this film? Did it go up? You um, So just clicking up, Charles Play 2, you enjoyed it more than me, but did you recommend it in the end? I can't remember. No. no, but you enjoyed it more than me. You, but I, I didn't hate it as much as you hated right. it. Yeah, or love it as much as Alex. Um, but welcome. I did not love it as much as Alex. <laughs> I think Alex is probably its biggest fan. Oh, absolutely! So. In the world, probably. <laughs> in the world, in the universe, I, I really liked the opening, even if it didn't make sense at all. Like I, I liked the look of it. I thought it was hilarious when Chucky yells no when he realizes that he's alive again. And I realized they probably meant like he was probably yelling no because he's sick of being a doll. But so I mean, so far up until this point, that's his option and it's not worked out so far. So I liked that it was kind of like I would rather just not be alive than be this. Imagine if they'd used that. that, Imagine if they'd used that plastic to make up My Little Pony or something. and He had been resurrected as a different doll. Brilliant. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> that would have been a great film if they like closed down that company, changed Someone it to a different toy. What about if still it was a toy factory by like Star Wars or something, and then they made the next sequel with robot chicken Star Wars, basically. Chucky's, <laughs> Chucky's a little Yoda running around. <laughs> That'd be funny. Be hilarious. So I liked that. I really liked the long scene of him with Mr. Sullivan. Because it was just pointless. Like, he was just doing shit to fuck with him because he gets entertainment out of, like, seeing people confused or scared or whatever it is. And I thought that was really exci- like exciting and made me feel... And this is... It, like, kind of halfway upset me and still upsets me that I was feeling excited to see Chucky because... I think that means I've officially been broken. So congratulations, Mr. White. I want, um, hand, hand, I want to read this out because you sent me... And a oh yeah, I sent you a picture of, of my notes. And you said, <laughs> you said, here's a sneak peek of my feeling from Charles Play 3. And it reads, genuinely feeling giddy slash excited that it's Chucky? Question mark. This is a sudden <laughs> and new feeling. 
Yep. You got so I chucked. Said, I just said, well done. You've been conditioned. <laughs> yeah. So I was feeling excited and I was like, this is so fun. And right when they when they first handed him the box and they're like, this is the first one off the press. I was like, oh, my God, I hope it's Chucky. And then in my head, I was like, no, they wouldn't do it this early. They're probably messing with us. Like, they're going to do this because everyone's going to think that it's Chucky. But Chucky's actually a different one. He's the second one that was made and he'll come out somewhere else. And I was like going through and I was like, why am I excited about this? (laughs) You're on a journey. That's amazing. I was coming up with all these ideas and I was like, this is ridiculous that I'm this excited. But that's what happened. And then I really, after this scene, just really didn't like where any of it went. Did you see the barber scenes? When you, (laughs) I did. I especially hated those. It would be, it would be cool and interesting if they had like introduced him as a as like an a, a villain or a sex offender or like another killer. Like I got excited with the last Leatherface because it was introducing more people who were also killing people, and that was kind of cool. But I just his character is useless. I didn't think he was funny. He just made me really uncomfortable, and I was like, either use this or don't have him in there because it bothers me. Yeah, most of the stuff that takes place after that scene, just the second they get into the military camp, I just all of it rubs me the wrong way. I really, I didn't like that the bullet, the real bullets being put into the guns and like the kids killing each other. And I, it makes me happy to hear that he was the also pretty against it and thought it was a little too dark or a little too, not too chaotic. This movie's chaotic. This series is chaotic, but it was too far in my head yeah i'm excited i i just want it to go in another direction i guess (laughs) so you said in the last one you wanted it what did you say where did you want it to go i've forgotten as well now i i want to see chucky i wanted to see chucky protect andy oh yes which there was an there was an opportunity here when like he's he's in shelton's room looking for chucky towards the beginning of the military the second third i guess and like the Shelton's clearly a dick and he's being a dick to Andy. And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to come in and protect Andy. But then like they're still going to have this conflicted relationship of I hate you. I'm here because of you and I have horrible mental problems because of you. Yeah. But you just saved my life or whatever. It would have been cool. I was excited to see that. But that didn't happen. No. <laughs> yeah, so. I can compl- I can see where you come from. with that complete- <laughs> So, I mean, you still want it to do that. basically. That's still what you're holding out for. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to see Chucky show like a little bit of mercy for somebody and like save someone's life at some point, but then like still have him turn around and be himself. Okay. Uh, Are you going to recommend this movie to regular people or Chucky fans? No. (laughs) I think this one's worse than the second one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that's quite a strong no from you. Yep. All right. I have been thinking... You bring, I mean, you brought up a good point of the like sexist and racist comments, which of, of like they're not like him saying I'm going to be a bro is obviously racist. She it's not. The, you're right that it's not. You it's not for the it. worst thing he I'm could gonna say. I'm going to cut that out of context now, and I'm going to place and it over when Alex told you to say it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good point that like he's a villain, and everyone understands he's the villain. So if he says something like this, you're like, you're saying this because you're bad. And so it's it's hard to figure out. Like, obviously, if it rubs you the wrong way, 
then you're not racist, but then it he's still killing people. So for like, if we're in for that, we should. It's a it's a weird conflicting balance of is it okay? Should I be offended that he's being racist, but be okay with him killing people because it's a horror movie? Yeah. Or what are you I there for? That he's bad and accept everything. Yeah, you're not there for um, the racism. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, I agree. It's and it's a also, weird thing, though, with I these, think with with franchise killers, like with today's world. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. With today's world, the like the political place that we are in right now. Like our U.S. president is someone who has said racist, sexist, a like just everything ist, mm-hmm. and still rose to power as president. So it's hard to. That's why you sent me that like, wonderful picture. No, I picture. accept that he's a villain because our world has proven that you can still be a villain and say mean things about people with sweeping stereotypes and still rise to power. Yeah, well, I don't mind if people want to rent Trump on a Friday night, get drunk with their friends and laugh at the stupid things he says on a video. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. different when Chucky was running the country. <laughs> you, <laughs> you did send us yeah, a great picture of uh, Chucky and Trump spliced. Making similar faces. Similar faces. Yeah, it's so pretty hilarious. Funny. Yeah, no, it's difficult with franchise killers in terms of, you know, me and Alex had to deal with it in Nightmare on Elm Street. Was it, or I always struggled with that series because I think he should be scary. And after the first one, and there's maybe, well, there's two other in the series that I'd argue they try and make him just scary. But for the most part, he's a mascot hero. You know, he is a Jason or a Michael Myers or a Chucky. And he's arguably even more so than anybody else. But he's a pedophile and a child murderer and like all this stuff. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to get behind that character. Whereas Jason, right. you sympathize with and you understand. And, you know, whether or not you like it or not, he's, he's not as horrible. And Michael Myers isn't as horrible. And arguably even Leatherface isn't as horrible. But yeah, when they're borderline dropping into things that isn't what you're paying your tickets to go and see them, you know, yeah. mur- murder stupid people then and then get murdered themselves. Like, yeah, I don't know. So I understand. What score would you give this movie then for the moment till we get to a wrap up and reevaluate? Uh, I think a four. Oh, below average. Alexander Charge. <laughs> Charge. Yes. Charge. Charge. Charge forward with your opinions. Uh, so I'm, I'm wet with appetite to know is this better than Charles Play 2? I don't think you should use that phrase again. <laughs> I'm very hungry right now. Um, so I will say this straight up this has made me absolutely reassess my opinion, feelings, and score of the first Child's Play. What? Yes, ah. absolutely. And and seeing the first one in a much more positive light for it just being a more sort of tight and cohesive story. But I'll get into that probably in the wrap-up and the wrap up. See, see where I'm at then. The thing with this film is, is that there are actually a lot of things that I wanted to like in it, that I really, I liked the kind of setup at the start and the very kind of clear drop in tone of like, this is going to be a bit more somber, a bit more serious. I did like the scene with Sullivan, except the hands, the overuse of the hands and playing it out certainly too long. And, and, and but, but I like the idea of like playing with our ex- expectations of when Chucky was going to reveal himself again, like we knew it was coming, but still just toying, toying with that of like, it's not going to be now, it's not going to be now, and then kind of finally revealing him. I like seeing Andy older and pulling his sort of role or flipping his role and flipping his role and then pulling it back. So it wasn't totally focused on him. I liked that it started to kind of feel a bit more like Chucky's story 
and I liked I liked the military school setting. I thought it was kind of it was kind of interesting. But for me, it, there were just too far too many holes in this whole film, and and too many poor choices that there were periods of it where I felt bored and uninterested and and couldn't kind of get on board with the things that I was having fun with because I was losing momentum uh, because it was either broken by a bad character like the barber, which was just so unsettling and so over the top and out of the play uh, out of place that it was just like, it feels weird. <laughs> and it was just, it was because like these, it, it, it became so imbalanced because of things like that. I didn't like Tyler. I didn't think that kid was, we didn't get enough of a sense of who he was. And then he felt out of place because he was slightly too old. And then he was playing these over the top reactions to this doll. And it just didn't feel believable. Yeah. The barber was stupid. The Colonel, when he had his heart attack, just looked dumb and stupid. I didn't like Shelton so much. I thought, I thought, and, and this is not the actor's fault, I guess, but I, I just felt like it was played too much to type, like our our idea and sense of this kind of drill sergeant type character. And Chucky, for me, looked, I said it a bit at the beginning, like the animatronics for me weren't as, as nuanced and were just like that scowl. It just seemed like it was just locked in the whole time. Yeah. So that's kind of how I feel about it. There just wasn't like a clear, cohesive thread and it felt so imbalanced of between what type of film it was going to be so that I just couldn't enjoy it and I felt bored most of the time because the bits that I liked would then be replaced with something that was just stupid or boring. So yeah, I actually like this one less as I said, than the first one. And it's really actually made me reassess the first one and, yeah, appreciate a lot more some of the things that it did. Because you gave the first, you gave the second one a 10 out of 10, yeah? Um, and the first one... <laughs> I think it was a, a 20 out of 10. I think you gave, what did you give? I think you gave the, the second one... Like I gave a it a six and a half. Or a seven. Yeah. yeah. And you gave the first one really low to begin with. I can't a 4.5. Okay, so you're saying you might split the difference between the whatever this one's going to be, or or do yeah, you think this so one's lower than a four point five? This is lower than the four point five. I was going to give it the same score as Ali, a four. I think there were some cool Solid ideas four. in it, and some and some interesting choices, but those were far too like they were just completely underdeveloped. That it just became a mess, and were just kind of. Uh, overpowered by the more <laughs> poor choices, I suppose. So I score this a four and I don't recommend it. Um, and as far as where I would like to see it go next, because I'm not sure if I've, I think I've seen bits of the next one, but if I was just going to say from this point with not knowing anything about what's to come, I would like it to branch away from from Andy. I mean, he's so intrinsically tied into Chucky and the doll, but I would prefer it to move away from that and sort of see this, see Chucky kind of accepting his fate or, or just seeing like, it, as it was kind of shifting in this, becoming more about his story and like, how mm -hmm. does he either accept his fate in this doll's body or like, 
yeah, where did where does where does Chucky go with these yep. decisions? He is a doll, and he's got to mm-hmm. deal with that and become perhaps an iconic villain that's not trying to get out of his body anymore, who's just having fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see next week. Bride of Chucky, the name of it might give some hints as to where we're heading. So we will see how that works out for you with Bride of Chucky, which I feel the name <laughs> definitely gives more hints than Charles Play 1, 2, or 3, where you've no idea what's going to happen inside. Yeah. But yes, so I'm... This is weird for me because normally I come to this stuff with a very strong opinion and I don't really have fun with this film, to be honest. Like when we started watching it, I was immediately, I didn't like number two. I was immediately happier because it looked cool from the beginning. I preferred the way this was being directed. I preferred the way the lighting was just being done, costume sets. It was all being handled more down to earth, which I appreciated. But yeah, then I, like I said earlier, the Chucky sections just totally felt wrong to me. It felt again, like it just couldn't decide. Are you trying to be serious or are you trying to have fun? And I would like to say I want it to pick, uh, but it definitely picked for two and I didn't enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's weird because as I watched this movie, and this is very controversial because I don't know if any Chucky fan agrees with me, I was enjoying it more than two. I thought it was a better made film than two. Um, I liked, yeah, Andy being older as well. I liked a lot of these elements. I liked a lot of the military stuff. Actually, I thought it was quite decently made as a drama. It was just when you threw in the Chucky stuff and then the nonsensical plot elements. And then unfortunately ending up in this fun fair that I was really holding out hope for. As soon as I saw it, I thought, cool, we're going to get this fun ending. And then we really don't. It's a really just just a kind of painful ending to watch. And then, yeah, an inexplicable final shot before credits roll. But then talking through it with you guys... I've grown to like it less as words have come out of my mouth and I'm going through the synopsis. Uh, I mean, it's weird because looking at it now, if someone said to me tonight, you've got to rewatch either two or three, I'd probably rewatch two just because... Thank you. You're welcome. Because (laughs) I think really just because of Kyle and because at least a sense of fun is, you know, there's stuff happening that's colorful, but it's not, but it's less of my type of film. This is more of my type of film. I think that's the thing. It's like... This more dour version of Chucky is something that I want. I think there is a balance you can strike between the dourness this is trying to present in the drama scenes and then the fun side of the kills and Chucky's personality. I think there's a way to play that right. Okay, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm toying with stuff because everyone knows I've seen this franchise a bunch. I know there's a way to do this right because they do it. <laughs> um, we're just not quite there yet. Spoiler. Spoilers. So I'm stuck in this weird place, which is I would rewatch two more than this, but... I would rate this higher than two. <laughs> That's my weird spot. <laughs> so I, this is my second favorite, I think. But to be honest, I'm not having a, like, I'm having a great time watching them. I'm looking forward to watching each of them. And particularly from this point outwards, I'm really looking forward to watching them. Uh, and I'm enjoying talking about them with you guys. But I'm not enjoying it as a franchise yet very much. It's kind of like Nightmare on Elm Street. I love that first one. This one, I don't love the first one, but I actually do think it's a decent film. And then the subsequent fr- uh, Nightmare on Elm Street films. I didn't really enjoy for a couple. And I feel the same way here. Neither two or three, to be honest, have I really enjoyed. So this isn't a whole hard... I'm not... I'm not going to recommend this film to people. I'm not going to say that I think this is a film people should see. But in my grade curve, it's slightly better than the last one. I think I gave the last one a four or a 4.5. That sounds right. Maybe. Something Can like I remember that. saying... So I said it yeah. was just below five. So I'd probably give this an on-the-nose five in that like this is adequate i feel they're doing some things well and some things badly can i ask you a quick question now no, no so so this was came out in 91 
So it's going to be like seven years till the next film. Yes. If you had come out of Child's Play 3, would you be even wanting to see another film with the franchise in the franchise at this point? I would after seven years. I think for me, it'd be the opposite. Like, I would be ready by that point. I think if they'd continued yearly, then I might have been like, eh. You know, as a grown man watching it at that point. That's me now, like, watching yeah. it. Yeah, I think it would have been just like, I don't know. Like, I probably would have still checked it out just to see, look, Chucky's a cool character. Can you do something right with him? And I do just get a kick out of watching any franchise character return again and again and again and again and see how different people deal with that. Mm-hmm. But after seven years, yeah, I was ready for sure. Like I was, so by the time that, that next, the next one came out, it was the first Charles play movie I saw, the one that we're going to review next week. Um, and it is, and this is not saying my opinion at all, but it is most fans favorite by quite a big margin. We're getting a very different director coming in, Ronnie Yu. We've seen his work before with Freddy versus Jason. But this is the film he did just before that. And yeah, people, it's a very different take on the franchise and it's going to set us off on our new journey for the next four films. So I'm really excited to finally be at this point and moving into different territory. But yes, so there you go. That was Charles Play 3. I feel we're all more in the same ballpark on that one though than we have been on either of the other two. Like... We're roughly occupying the same space, just slightly different tones. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast. Wearegeeks.com is where you can head over to to then branch out to all of our social medias and also to our official iTunes page, where you can then listen to our weekly podcast simply called Geeks, which is talking about films and... I was about to say films and movies. Films, movies, and video games, and other nonsense. Uh, Every single Tuesday, we put that one up, or sometimes we miss a Tuesday, but almost every Tuesday. And then every single Friday, and we're not missing that, we have a horror franchise, which is what you're listening to right now. We've done Friday the 13th, we've done Nightmare on Elm Street, Invasion the Body Snatchers, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, doing Child's Play right now, and lots of cool stuff coming in 2018, because this is going to lead us all the way up until the new year. What else? We also have a Star Wars podcast, which is starting right, well, yeah, just about to start very soon. So you can tune into that. That's also with Alex. Hello. Uh, but Thank you. Uh, but not with Alison. <laughs> um, and they will be going up actually twice a week on Bye. Wednesdays and on Saturdays to lead us up for The Last Jedi, which I'm excited about that series. And it's kind of fun doing something that's not horror. So I'm looking forward to getting into that. Some of it's horror. Bull. Some of it may well be horror, yeah. <laughs> And if also, if you go to wearegeeks.com, you can email us directly through that website. Or if you don't want to bother with that, just go onto your own internet provider, type in your email address, log into your account, type new, don't type it, press the button. And then you can type in mail at wearegeeks.com, mail at wearegeeks.com. And I will read your email and we'll consider saying it out loud on the show <laughs> what else can you do yeah also if you're on weirdgeeks.com you can branch out to our publisher we are tessellate.com a little badge on that website you can go on check them out they're our publisher they are a film company run out of london la and tokyo where we are making our first feature films with and our first one is called starfish and we have news about that movie on our weekly podcast only we don't talk about it on the franchises no just on a weekly podcast and on our own personal social medias. And if you want to check out our own social personal medias, I'm Mr. Al White on all the social medias. Mr. Al White and also on the Xbox gaming consoles where you can play things with me. Alison Holland. You can find me on Instagram. My username is at Ali Sue. And Alexander Chard. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Alexander Chard. 
Thank you guys so much for joining us. We appreciate it. We'll be back next Friday with Pride of Chucky. And until then, <laughs> <laughs> we're out.